Once charm is over. Boom, did it. <laughs> Had it both ways. No regrets. Look, Gina, is that a talking raisin? We don't we don't have an impression to do today, so I figured I would just use my soundboard. Marco! No, you say polo. This is so dumb. It's all I got, man. It's all I got. Well, then tell everybody about your vacation. Oh, I went to Los Angeles and Las Vegas. It was a good time. I, uh... That is without question the funniest story I've ever heard. Ah, fuck you, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, well, this is the Mothman Prophecies, Sparrow's podcast, and uh, you're tuning in. Boost my bottom! Hello everybody! I actually haven't sang that word yet. My dog is super excited about me saying, oh, never mind. Alright, well we're back with... Uh, <laughs> you can probably hear that. <laughs> we're back with episode 5 of the Moth Band Prophecies, the Sparrows podcast. Uh, this is the first one we've recorded in the new year? No. No? We did a bunch of them in the new... Oh, maybe. I when don't did we know. do Patrick? Did we do Patrick before we left? I don't remember. What did Patrick and... Uh, I think we did Yeah, we did. Before, yeah. yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. Yeah. We did it literally the day before I left on vacation. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That was a very busy yeah. day. We did... Yeah. We practiced that night too, I think, didn't we? Yeah, we did. And we did Hippie as well. Yeah, we did two in oh, one that's, day. That's right, because I fucked up oh, and deleted man. Patrick's... Uh, Patrick's Extro. Extro? I don't even know what you're trying to say. Anyway, I ended up having to do the the oh, end of it by right. outro. That's the word. And I ended up doing the outro myself in my hotel room. Right. Ugh, yeah. Um, no, we... Uh, that, and I had my staff party the night before, so my voice was a mess. kind of hoarse from yeah. all the cigarette smoke and stuff. But John recently started smoking. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, secondhand smoking only, though. Yes. Yeah, it doesn't have to buy Contact smoking. Contact smoking? Smoking contact? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway... Uh, so yeah, this is episode five. Uh, this week we went slightly different. We kind of got out of like kind of the same thing we did with Patrick, where it's a different side. It's not just people in bands. Uh, so today is Sam Guayarna. Did I say that right? No. Fuck. See, the problem is, is that we got Sam to say his name for us, and then something happened to the program we were using, and it glitched, and we lost about eight minutes of this at the beginning of this episode. Guayana. Why I I don't know Sam we're really sorry yeah. we're the worst please this is text the only us. time we're gonna say it and we're doing our best please message us hate mail <laughs> on how to properly say your last name again because we are the worst this this might have been my favorite interview so far though yeah we um, actually went to Sam yes which we was went to a studio cool. which we had been to once before for an undefined project uh, that we were only there for like twenty minutes on so, yeah like yeah, an hour like, tops yeah. Um, but a very interesting interview with someone who used to do the band thing and now kind of does the other side of the band thing, which is the, you know, the product that bands are doing. He's, he's, he's the producer and the recorder and the mixer. And we kind of touch on a little bit of everything in this one. Yeah. We, yeah. uh, we talk a bit about our past of, uh, like Sam and I both went to arts high schools, which was cool. I didn't know that he did that. So we had a lot of that in common. We're both drummers. I feel like Sam and I had a lot more in common than you and Sam. Yeah, common 
I I think I ended up listening a lot more. Yeah, this one Sam than and I riff a lot, and you just kind of sat there. So. I, I kept the constant the conversation back on track. I think. Is yeah, what my you asked was, questions, but... and Sam and I just went just talked about whatever. I think we also interrupted him the least amount on this one. Yeah, I think we're getting better. At yeah, that. a little bit. I um, don't know. Maybe not. We'll see what's up. Anyway, this was a super fun interview. It was super fun to hang out with Sam. And uh, yeah, I think he's got a lot of very interesting things to say about his perspective and his spot in the music business. And if you you aren't Sam and know how to say his last name, please let us know. We're very embarrassed, kind of. Kind of embarrassed. Kind of embarrassed. Anyway, here we go. it won't cut out again or something like no what it was is um because we're not using super fancy recording thing or whatever um what's that i had what's that oh we're using uh pro tools Tools. um (laughs) i got six different uh audio buses running i don't even know if i'm using this right (laughs) can you explain Um, to me what is a bus a a channel on a console it's a thing that people take yeah it's it's big it's about 50 no it's something in the building it's like a 50 person vehicle okay uh, no, it's like it's, so, so <laughs> oh, it's, it's an auxiliary input. Uh, it's awesome. I have a console in front of me. It's an auxiliary input. So like, say I do a, in the old days, like all these faders here are drums, right? Mm-hmm. And I've got like a drum kit. Yeah, I can bust them. That's where the term came from. Into like one, into like a single set. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So it's basically comp- not compressing in the like editing or mixing sense. No. Compressing all your channels into uh, a smaller. Yeah, like consolidating. Consolidating, that would be yeah. a good word. Okay. This has been recording lessons with Sam. <laughs> Seriously, no, like, I'm a drummer, and I've, like, I've worked, I've worked in a music store for 10 years, and it was always the recording department, like, just audio recording to me has always been, like, super alien. I've never really, like, I don't know, it's, not, I don't know if it's, I just didn't have, like, the, mem- or the brain space to, like, take it all in. I think it's a different yeah. focus, really. Because I would say, especially now, maybe you can comment on this, recording is so digital now, and I would argue to say that drums are probably the most analog oh, in no, terms. I just, I just mean, me being a drummer, I was never at home doing, like, oh, like what Justin's doing, where he's got, like, his little Focusrite, you know, right, Scarlet, yeah, yeah. and he can just plug <clears throat> in and, and record stuff on his guitar. It's like, I, well, I no, A, okay. could never really do that, because it would be like, all right, I gotta get, like, seven mics, and then well, I that's gotta... Also, that's kind of what I was yeah. getting at before I, before I thought you were saying it off, it's like, because it's such an analog uh, instrument, it takes so much just to get to a point of being able yeah, to like, this is my idea. Yeah. 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 Well, um, yeah, was, like, that's actually how I learned about buses or busing was when I was way younger and started recording. I had, like, a shitty two-channel interview. I can swear on. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Fuck, fuck, shit, fuck. Yes! Yeah. Uh, I was I, watching... Uh, sorry to interrupt. I was watching um, <laughs> the newest uh, Gordon Ramsay Hot Ones. Oh, my God. Is it good? It's I heard it's hilarious. Really I watched it before I came here, and mm. for literally about a five-minute segment, he just goes, like... Shit. Fucking hell. <laughs> Shit. Because it's just so hot. And he just, that's all, that's like literally the extent of his vocabulary that's for this so one funny. part. Yeah, I heard Anyways, it's a yeah, good one. No, you're, it's, uh, you can just obviously know uh, 
slandering of. Oh, you know, no, that's my favorite. No, I'm kidding. Uh, Let me tell you all the people I hate right now. Like, <laughs> yeah. All right, I got a list. No, I don't uh, care. I don't care. Do, do what you want. Um, it's your reputation. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah. It's not all right. like very many Time people to flush me down the anyway. toilet. Yeah. Um. You were saying drums. Yeah, so I always had like a, I always had like a cheap interface, with like two inputs when I was like fourteen or fifteen. Are you talking like a BR eight kind of thing? Uh, I had an M box. Oh, oh yeah, same original idea. Yeah, M box. Yeah. yeah, and it had two ends. One was a preamp, one was a line in, and I didn't know the fucking difference. Sorry, that is so obnoxiously loud. I'm hungry. That is so obnoxiously loud. Shout out to Cliff Bars. And, oh, <laughs> and I had like an old little mixer. Like I think it was like uh, the mixer before my power amp for my band's PA or whatever. Right. And I had, you know, like four or five microphones. And I learned that like, you know, I can put all these microphones, do all the work on the mixer, send that to like two channels on the mixer and then send those mi- those two channels out to, to the inbox into the two channels there. Right. And that's kind of like how I learned like, cool, I can mix my drums first and then start adding stuff on top. It sounded fucking terrible because I had no idea what I was doing. But of that's what taught me like, buses was because I was a drummer but isn't that a lot of like what like audio engineering is is a lot of like trial failing and error almost yeah, yeah trial and error it's oh a lot God, of failing to, to like, and then, like learning from your failing. mistakes yeah I mean like where did you go to school for, no no uh, so you're well, com- well sort of I went to online courses uh, no. <laughs> YouTube YouTube train I went to I went to Seneca York for independent music production but it was like it was like this three part where like one part was business, one part was songwriting, and one part was recording, but the recording part was super beginner. So it was more like producing. Well, if you said music production. Yeah. It, so it's not it, so much the engineering side of it, it was more the production side. Yeah, of it, it was it was more just being a musician. Like it was more a course to be a musician who wants to like record their own stuff. Right. And I didn't know that going into it. I actually thought it would be more of a like recording school. And it wasn't really, not that I didn't have a good time, I actually had a great time doing it and I made like a few really great connections, but I didn't need to do it. Right. So realistically, like, it was like, this is how you arm a track. This is how you use an equalizer to take off low end. Like really like, so it's something very that basic. for me, but not for you. <laughs> Honestly though, yeah, like it's, it's that yeah. kind of course. Somebody it's who like, wants to get into it and they're starting from square one. Yeah, but versus... they're like, say they're like a really great musician. And that's what they were looking for when right. when you applied. Okay. Is like even even when I got in, I remember having a meeting with one of the guys, and they're like, "We want to let you know, like, I I know you're a musician, you sent in demos of songs that you've done, but I know you're looking for sort of the recording, and this is a bit of the other side." And I was kind of okay with that because I knew nothing about business, and I was just beginning my songwriting like right. life. So I was like, "Cool, you know what? Let me learn about the business. Let me learn about factor grants. Let me learn about the that stuff that I could maybe pass to bands." And I've already been recording for four-ish years at this point, or three or four years. Some stuff under your belt. Yeah, so I knew all that. Did you have to, like when you applied for this, was it kind of almost like an audition in a sense, where they only took a certain amount of candidates? Yeah. Or was it like anybody can come in as long as you have like some sort of quote-unquote talent? Or was it like, we're really going to pick, you know, 20 people that we think really, you know... It was. They did two, two, like courses of it a year or like two batches a year of 20 kids and i think usually the numbers that applied unless they were lying about it was usually like 100 to 200 people okay so we choose 20 out of those like one to 200 people um and it wasn't like an actual audition process as much as you know send in like work of yours a video of you playing a song or something you've written something you've worked on something whatever. and then they just send you back like yeah you're accepted or pretty much yeah okay yeah not like you have to go in and meet them and be like, we need you to play a song live right now. No, thank like, God. Oh, I, I could have done that. And we need you to record it on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> Can you produce cool. and mix this right now? That would be kind of awesome, actually. <clears throat> That's a school that I would want to be involved in. Yeah. I, feel like, you know I, mean? I feel like I could do that today. Like Absolutely. But imagine someone like, I'm going to throw back a little bit from what we were talking about before we started, like 
Gary Finn, if he was alive. And he's the guy that's going to be your professor. And so he's like, you have four hours. Show me what you can do. Oh, like, yeah. imagine that, right? It'd be pretty unreal. Yeah, because at the end of the day, you end up working with someone amazing. But, like, that would be a good reality show TV. You it know what I mean? Be. Like, well, for, like, MTV or something? Like That would be almost like MasterChef, but... But for music. It'd just yeah, be called music, Master... Yeah. Oh, my God. Copyright, <laughs> copyright Dan Thompson on that one. Um... <laughs> So how did you, what age, like, when did you, the, the big question, like, when did you get into, like, doing your own recording and stuff? Like, what, what like, was it the band first? And then yeah, you guys and you, just it? was the it, band or? first. And you guys would probably know the band. I was in a band called Rosedale back in 2003. Because <laughs> that's how long that fucking band has been around. Mm-hmm. I don't think, I think it's finally done, isn't it? I don't think it is. No? No. Uh, I don't know what happened. It rings a bell, but not like a very okay. famous one. The only thing I remember, and this is, uh, I remember the name because it's everywhere. Yeah. In that, like, you guys we're were kind of in that same area. GTA band? Brampton band. Brampton, Brampton, yeah. Okay. Dude is super tall. <laughs> like, super yeah, tall. Like, 6'9 like, or something yeah, like that? Like, should have oh, played basketball. Like, like, Justin's neighbor's tall? Taller. Wow. Yeah, he is a big guy. dude. Yeah. yeah. But um, that's all I remember. And I think they played outside of Warp Tour once or something. Yeah. They, uh, Mike followed Warped and like played a bunch of dates in the parking lot but this was 2003 i just joined playing drums uh different singer at the time mike wasn't the singer um and we had this like house that my dad sort of rented that was also like a commercial property that we built a really small studio upstairs and my dad had a buddy who knew how to record a little bit so it was like pretty not beginner gear but not like crazy gear at the time it was a 001 which was like an eight channel interface yeah, uh, the older. Digi 001. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was great. Um, uh, pretty decent mixer, and like, uh, and like a G3 Mac or something like a really old Mac. Um, I uh, I got kicked out of that band, and um, why? Oh no, no no no! Pump the brakes on that. <laughs> <laughs> you say, why was it okay? Was it your doing or was it so? Or was it? It was they. They always had a buddy before I joined the band that was like an insane drummer. And he was he literally an insane drummer. Was the, the kid was amazing. I'm What's not his even, name? Uh, Emerson. Um, not even like, not even bummed when I look back that I got, honestly, I'm not bummed when I, I got kicked out of that band because. <laughs> well, you probably wouldn't be doing. Do I stop here or do I keep yeah. uh, <laughs> This is where we won't cut, so yeah. watch what you're saying. <laughs> um, no, but when, uh, when I left, I mean, my, the, the practice space was mine. The gear was all my dad's and his friends and everything. So like, the studio sort of folded. I just went into my basement and like started writing my own songs and um, I didn't have the 001 or anything, but that's, I ended up, I, I had an M box and uh, ended up trading an old guitar amp I had actually for a 001. So I did end up getting basically the same setup as that studio right? and started recording bands out of my basement at like 14 or something like that. <clears throat> and then just realized that when I was in like, when I was in high school, I went to an arts high school. And... Nice, so did I. Oh, yeah? Which yeah. one? Uh, well, not here. It was in Ottawa. It's called oh, okay. Canterbury High School. But it was like the arts high school for yeah, Ottawa, I'm... Cornwall, maybe Kingston. I don't know. Like Nice. But you'd have to be, you'd have to move. Yeah. Ottawa, but... Yeah, and that was the thing. I was... What'd I was... you go for? Um, I actually applied for drums on the in the ninth grade and got in, but had a, like some sort of problem with being able to get to the school i i i don't remember exactly what it was it basically didn't work out and That's so ninth grade i went to another school actually but 10th grade uh moved to the area so they sort of like 
like when you lived either you lived really close and could go to the school or you like got accepted and went to the school yeah um so now it was sort of like by default i was able to go right it was just your what home high school. was the, if brampton was the thing uh caledon oh in caledon yeah oh, okay i lived i before that i lived like at uh queen and chinkuzi you know where that is yeah absolutely. yeah, yeah. Nope. Now, uh, <laughs> you've you lived in brampton i'm from ottawa yeah. Like um it. yeah <laughs> or like queen mclaughlin and yeah i think it was a busing issue because there the way the school worked was like you had to pay extra like a lot extra for a bus that just came to get you and my yeah. you know my parents at the time couldn't afford it and understand i had yeah. i had friends like that in ottawa um who would yeah they would have a bus that would go out to like carp or manatic or mm-hmm. like even for like stittsville and that's you know like could be 30 to 45 with traffic could be like an hour and a half yeah outside pick up, like, of the school too. to pick up yeah exactly yeah and it's like the days that there was like oh it's i lived in ottawa so like when we get snowstorms like we just had like, that's oh, a normal snowstorm. Well, yeah, oh, I know. Yeah, that, oh that's, yeah, that's like autumn, Ooh. winter, no question. Oh, I know. <laughs> but yeah, it'd be like, oh, I guess those like those friends aren't going to be here today. That was basically, <laughs> you know, yeah. they, they live in the boonies. <laughs> um, so it, yeah, it was just like that. But like, I mean, I lived in the city, so I could just, I took two like city buses to get to school. Yeah. But like you, I, well, I mean, I went for percussion or drums as well. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, like when I look back at my high school experience, like, so many people look back negatively on high school. Right. And, I mean, sure, I probably went through a lot of regular teenage bullshit, but I have a pretty good, like, positive memory. Like, I didn't go to a, like, it wasn't, you know, jocks and whatever. There right. was, like, the drama kids and the music kids the and the visual kids. the exact opposite of what I what he did. Really? Yeah. So, yeah. I think but I probably had people a year stuck... of what you had in the oh, three yeah. years. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah. <laughs> um, and, there, and there was, you know, like, I'll say cross-mingling where, like, you know, yeah. some of the music, like, it was, like, the drama kids were always, like, kind of the popular group, but they were also, like, the hippies. So yeah. it was, like, they wore Birkenstocks and played Ultimate Frisbee, and that was, like, the cool <laughs> thing to do. And it was, like, uh, some of the music kids, like, you had the the cooler music kids that hung out with you know whatever but then there was three sections of music there was strings there was you know vocal and then there was band yeah um visual dance and lit like everybody kind of had their own clicks but nobody was necessarily like cooler than the other yeah everybody just kind of coexisted. it was yeah Yeah. i mean there was i think at every school there's like a few people who act like they're cooler than the rest. Oh, sure. Yeah, but of course. what was kind of nice was when I when I was living in the area, I didn't have to be attached to going for the regional arts program. Yeah, you like, could just go just for general. School, yeah. Which I was kind of happy about, because I don't know if it was for you, but um, if you're in the regional arts program, you took it every semester, every year. Yeah, I had I had music class for two hours every day for yeah. four years. And yeah. Like, again, looking back on it, fucking awesome. Yeah. Because, like, sure, maybe I wasn't the strongest in science, but at the end of the year, I, I was like an honor roll student because my music marks were like in the mid to high 90s. Yeah, it put so in, sort it, of makes up for that. Yeah, exactly. But it was nice to, like, I ended up just not doing it, which, uh, like the actual program, I ended up doing actually drama more than I than I was doing. Uh, I had a lot of friends who did that too. They yeah, just, you know, they, they, they would switch through. They'd switch switch their... Was that a conscious choice or just because of the way it worked out? Because uh, like, you missed grade nine, you couldn't come in at... No, it, it was a conscious choice. Yeah. Yeah, I, um, I mean, I... At that point, I was playing, right when I started going to that school, I joined a band that was actually touring already, and I was only, like, 15 at the time. So, I... That sounds about right. Didn't really... I tried to do that. Didn't work. <laughs> Twice, I didn't, actually. I didn't really need, like... Or not need. I, you know, you could always get better at, at music. But, like, I didn't want to dedicate so much of my, like, school time to music when I was recording bands at home or going on tour for two, three weeks at a time during high school. Um, and I know that, like... It's not about not not so much about marks, but like if you weren't 
keeping it up in the regional arts program, you can actually get kicked out of it yep. too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I didn't want to, I didn't want to deal with that. You know, as I was already taking courses to sort of just get me through high school. Cause I'd realized that by 10th grade, like I'm just going to be in bands. I can, you're going to have music this. in your life regardless. Yeah. yeah. So I thought, let me do drama a little bit. I'm a terrible actor, <laughs> but I liked it. I, I, I actually met my wife in drama class. Oh, nice. And everything. So yeah, school was, sweethearts. Yeah. Oh yeah. Long time. How old are you? Uh, 28. Okay. Yeah, so we've been together for 14, So you've been, 13, so you're going years? to your 10 year reunion like, uh, very shortly or? I guess so. I assume that's any year now. I'm not really paying attention. Been out of high school for yeah, 14 years now. I guess it would be. I hate both of you. <laughs> Dude, you're only two years older than me. It's not that bad. I know, but it's, it's horrible. Yeah, no, um, my best friend actually was just in the uh, the general program as well. And I remember there was a little bit, I'm not going to name names, but she was like, at some time she would feel uh, not left out, but just she was surrounded by what she claimed as like all these talented people and she didn't have like that same Right, level. she didn't feel like she She was, didn't feel included. Yeah. So there was never like animosity, but definitely like, uh, um, it's not even jealousy. I don't know, but there was like a, a little, little bit, bit of discouragement. Yeah, yeah, where she she would feel kind of down. Yeah, because... it's funny because like my experience is very different. I like I grew up in Brampton until I was ten, and then my family all moved back to Belleville, where but they're from. Uh, like all my cousins and shit, and I have a very big family on my mom's side, so it's all there. But we were the only, my sister and I were the only two kids in our entire family not to go to the same high school that everybody else went to, and all this crazy crap. And the school that I went to was the sports-centric everything. Brand oh, new yeah? school was right across from the big sports complex in the city. Um, and, like, kids that I went to high school with play in the NHL now. Like, it's oh, crazy. intense. And yeah. Like, yeah. You know, like, we had, um, in, in, like, a elite soccer team, elite rugby team, and our hockey team was a fucking like why bother yeah like it was insane we still and had sports no, no, i mean no, like but it's were... a different yeah thing. oh absolutely well, like these were you know like it was again a lot of the more kids that were in the general program were usually the ones you saw on the sports, on the sports teams, teams yeah because they had the time to do that whereas like for me i there was the time where i was like oh yeah i would love to be on the rowing club or in the rowing club right but I'd have to be at school for you know 5 30 in the morning or 6 in the morning to like run laps and then go to rowing practice and then on there'd be some days where there'd be rehearsal, but then I would have band rehearsal that morning. So right. It would, you know, and then vomit on like, yourself after all of that. Yeah. After like I tried, I, tr- I wish I could have done, because like in, like at least early high school, grade nine, grade 10, like I always tried out for the basketball team and volleyball and stuff. But then I just realized it was just going to be too much on my plate mm-hmm. with all the other like kind of extracurricular stuff that was mandatory. Yeah. I was yeah. in a Motown band and stuff. Was, oh, nice. Yeah, it was actually awesome. Um, yeah, Mayfield was actually sort of like that, it, like, down the middle. Like, there were tons of, like, sports people there. Sure, ho- yeah. Their hockey team was actually great. Their rugby team was really, like, one of the way better teams. And the lacrosse team was really great. But I think, and yeah, and it was all the kids who weren't in programs, especially because in Caledon, there's, a, like, just a big hockey scene and a right. big, very, like, sports scene. So mm-hmm. all those kids lived close got to go to Mayfield, and right next to Mayfield was, like, Mayfield Recreational Center where they, you know, practiced just all practice, this crazy yeah. shit. And yeah, so it was like it was like a balance of uh, an art school and kind of like a sports school yeah. as well. No, it's nice. It was yeah. Again, it was like looking back on it, it was a really good experience, and I'm happy I did it. And I mean, at the same time, like I, you know, grade seven, grade eight, I was not really happy where I was in life. I didn't really necessarily see myself growing up with that group of people I was right. with. I just didn't really fit in and mm-hmm. whatever. And having that, I remember the day I got my acceptance letter. It was like fuck yeah like new beginnings you know it's yeah like i can and that's the cool that's i mean 
it's like high school and university it's where people get to like kind of recreate themselves yeah. and uh i mean i don't think i recreated myself but you get to surround yourself with like-minded people now no that, yeah but you know but that that is what it is i i like i moved i moved from my mom's to my dad's when i was in beginning of seventh grade i remember like the first week of seventh grade i just up and like moved from my mom's to my dad's and my dad sort of gave me that option he was just like you know I, i'm you're you're a young kid my dad wasn't being mean by any sense but he was like you know do sports or do music or do something I'm like, you know what let me let's try music and then and then there was like another restart at 10th grade when i realized what i could do with music right. i I just found out we were moving to whatever. I get to go to the high school I wanted to go to. Um, my my first like real girlfriend just like broke up with me. Like all the exact same time. I find out I'm moving. My first girlfriend breaks up with me. I get kicked out of my first band. You know, like I was like, so right. right, I'm gonna go to the school and make it my bitch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just restart everything. <laughs> yeah, and I and I think not. I, I hope it doesn't sound like snobby, but like I've been that person since tenth grade. Like I made that conscious decision to be like. If I'm just going to do music, I'm going to do this yeah, the, yeah. the way I want to do it. You're going to focus all your energy into yeah. it and do it how you want to do it. And yeah. Absolutely. And I don't think, like, I don't think I would be who I would be if I didn't make that decision in 10th grade. I th- obviously, this, you know, making the decision to play drums is one thing, but, like, making the decision to, like, focus on it, on music, was, like, the... Well, I think that that attitude and outlook, like, really translates to you now having your own studio mm-hmm. where you are the boss, you are in charge, and you're like, this is how I do things. This is how I run the show. Yeah. That's it, you know? Kind of, yeah. You get to, like, you get to call shots. Yeah, and I was, I was talking to somebody else about this the other day. It's like, I worked, like, a retail job, but, like, at this point, I'd be fucked if I had to have a boss. For sure. I mean, I'm, technically, my clients are my boss, you know? <gasps> Do you know how, like, this is a conversation that people don't really have, but I so wholeheartedly agree with that. That it's painful for me. Like, I work at a Polish restaurant, actually not super far from here. Oh, nice. And my bosses are, at this point, basically, like, family. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't tell... Like, they don't tell me what to do. I don't tell them what to do. We literally laugh at each other all day. Yeah. And it's when I'm not in an environment like that where I burn everything down. Like, yeah. It's like I, I mentally... It's not like I'm choosing to do it. It's just I'm not, like, mentally able to survive long-term in a situation like that. And... We, in the last episode we did was Patrick Walford, who runs Adobe Radio. Oh, nice, uh, yeah. Howell, and, like, has his own show. Great guy. Yeah. His wife used to be my boss, and we're friends, but her being my boss was, like, me torturing her for, like, however long I was there. Right. And I don't, it's not like I set out to be, like, I'm going to make Brandy miserable. It's more like I just couldn't, it's not in it to it's, me to be able to deal with that. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And after a certain point, it's just like, well, I got to melt this, you know, and it's kind of been the same thing in bands and stuff too, is that I'm not to say that I'm the leader of Sparrows, but in a roundabout way, like I'm kind of the guy that runs everything. Yeah. Well, um, you've been in it the longest. I've been the only guy here the whole time. You know, <laughs> you, yeah. Relatively you're the one speaking. that's quote unquote made all the contacts and you've, you know, booked most of the tours. Like you're the one that does yeah. a vast majority. And I've, it would be hard for me. And in any other band that I've been in, like it would be hard for me to be a supporting role. Yeah. Because I don't know how to deal with it. And, like, I've had offers before to go and play in other people's bands where, like, we'll just pay you to go on tour. Mm-hmm. And in my head, I'm like, that sounds like fun. And then the more I sit and talk about it with, with people that I, like, care about, the more they're like, are you fucking stupid? <laughs> After two weeks, you would break the band up. Yeah. And it's not, again, it's not, it's just like a, I don't know how to air that line, you mm-hmm. know, where I'm like, I'm a good employee versus, like, I'm a good coworker, like... It, there's got to be a balance there. And if I know I'm just there to do nothing and whatever, then I don't give a shit. 
but it's like getting past that point. I just, and I know there's a lot of people like that, but no one ever talks about it. Yeah. You and know? Well, a big thing is like, it's, it's not so much like, I don't know if it's an ego thing for me, but I need to be on the same level as the people I'm mm-hmm. working with. Like, sure, I absolutely. can't, I, I, like, I, my, my wife loves her job, but she even talks about it sometimes. And she's just like, you know, something happens and there's something going on and there's some sort of politics or drama. And I was just like, well, I would just fucking say this. She's like, well, that, I can't do that. I'm like, how can you not do that? But I yeah. get why she can't well, say or do absolutely. that. Absolutely. You know? That's sort of a thing, like me being a server bartender, mm-hmm. like that's my how I make money. Um, that's a huge thing where it's like a lot of the times I have to keep my mouth shut. Yeah. Talking to, you know, people at the restaurant, talking to the people I work for. Like there's a lot of times where I just want to be like, you know what? Fuck you. Yeah. But I can't say that because oh, it's like you instantly lose your job. <clears throat> Back to what you were saying, Dan. It's like I... I find, like, I'm a person that, like, I can easily, at least I think I can easily take direction. That means, like, play this or do it this mm-hmm. way. Yeah. Okay. We'll Which I would it. agree to entirely. I would He's not, the most flexible I would not be like, no, 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 I'm yeah. doing it this way. Like, right. I, and if somebody were to come up, like, say, whatever, after the band and was like, we want you to come on tour, but you have to play every, like, you're touring with Taylor Swift now and everything has to be this, 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 this. I would never be like, nah, I'm not doing it because right. it's not my way. I'd be like, yeah, okay, sure. Yeah, of course, yeah. And, uh, so I've, I've personally never had a, the same issue that maybe like you guys have had where it's like, I don't mind having a boss as long as there's a respect level there. Right. Yeah, you know? totally. Cause like, I'm a person that like, when I do something, I usually try to do my best at of it. Of course. Yeah. And if that isn't recognized and it's like, I'm not getting the respect for, I deserve for, I think I deserve for doing that. Then mm-hmm. yeah, then obviously it's not going to work. But I, I definitely think it's circumstantial. Like I've, I've filled in for bands and it's that it's like, I'm going to play it exactly how you're, you're going to tell me. I, I, I like to think I'm like a flexible musician, but I'm more heart, like more a hard ass at being the like guy in charge. Right. Like it's good. Like if every musician was like you, I'd be very happy. Well, I, I feel like if, if, every, if every musician was like me, then bands wouldn't necessarily be where they are. Nothing you, would get done. That's true done. too. Yeah, because you true. wouldn't have like those hard ass people that yeah. are like, no, it's this way, right? And it's only this way. Like if you think of, I can't off the top of my head think of people. <laughs> as funny as it is, the one person I think of, and I don't even know if he's like this because I don't know him, is like Rivers Cuomo. Like <laughs> Weezer, where like I just feel like he's one of those people that I just have. I just have this idea where he's like, no, no, no. This like if he wasn't like how he, I have Dave Mustaine. Sure, That's the one I have. Uh, yeah, Dave okay, Mustaine. you know what I mean. Yeah, like, like without somebody like that, you wouldn't have like the same yeah albums written or whatever you know like it yeah and their influence wouldn't be as a band wouldn't be as big because they would just be writing generic whatever songs instead of like no 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 this is the music i want to write and this is how i'm writing it yeah yeah it's it's about striking a balance i think yeah did you find that you had that role in the bands that you were in too though uh for the most part when when i was in the band i was in high school i was in a band called the pettit project the main guy in that band scott was like he did everything he was the you of mm-hmm. that band and i was very much the you of that the band. me of that band. yeah um <laughs> but i think that... they can't see who am i talking about at first he pointed at dan <laughs> then he pointed at john but i think a big reason that is also like if you look at our roles in the band it's like i'm a drummer and it's yeah. very rare that you see a drummer as the leader or the, the front person yeah. unless you're like phil collins or something yeah like exactly where usually it's like the vocalist they're the person that's always you know talking to people or whatever you know yeah so i i think that kind of has to do with 
our position or our role versus like yeah, who it's we it's, are it's a super is. drummer thing, I think. But then when it came to me starting to record, and when I started up July with uh, with Andrew initially, my the guitarist in the band, um, I realized that like especially with the first vocalist we had, like I was the only one who could fucking do anything. Like I was, I had to become the main guy in that band because nobody else would, would do anything at the time. Until, I mean, Andrew was pretty good at doing stuff, but he, I, I, know, I knew more people at that point or a few more people than he did and whatever. Um, and then when we got Devin, the singer, like it was so, such a relief because he split that with me. So him and I were pretty equal in that and we were all equally songwriters and they were still nice enough to they had no choice but they were like still nice enough to let me produce as if i were a producer and not just a member of the band right so it was always like that was that to me was like the most interesting thing because it it was like now we're all sharing it i need to like step back for a second be just the like like let you direct me in in the way of writing the song or in the way of playing the songs but i'm going to direct you in the way of recording these songs and producing them how how soon into that did you get the kind of inkling that it was better for you to be a producer versus a guy in a band? Um, I was figured it, it in out. July kind of thing. It was, was yeah. It, it we were touring a lot and it didn't really slow it didn't really slow down at any point, but it just seemed like we weren't writing as much. Um, and I was getting more studio work, um, and I was just thinking to myself like, I really enjoy doing this. And I always had friends who told me and I thought hated it when they would say it they're like this is the thing you're gonna do you're not gonna be a drummer in a band forever like you're gonna just fucking be a recording guy i was like at the time i was like fuck yeah i don't know i want to like i, I want to tour the world and whatever and then um and then Devin quit the band and everything just came to like a standstill <clears throat> except for the fact that i was still doing this right and that to me was like a light bulb off in my head it's like well no this isn't the end of anything for me I, this is if anything like this is now the thing that is is proving what everybody was saying where it's like no you know what yeah you're gonna be a studio guy so i like literally didn't even stop i like just switched the effort 100 percent to studio and just rolled from that so there was sort of yeah there was sort of like a turning point but it was super gradual so like it was almost okay, like it wasn't peaked. like overnight where you woke up one day and you were like uh, fuck this fucking van doing this? no <laughs> yeah. no it, it was, was like over a period where you're like I'm yeah to feel this way and there was this perfect line of like i can balance these i was super happy balancing both of them we were touring just enough and i would come home and record bands and it was awesome it was like this perfect thing and then Devin quitting was i guess sort of light switch but it probably wouldn't have happened had he not quit or it would have been more gradual you right know? like but at that moment it was very like band and band and recording band and recording and then just t- t- like tapered right off to being equal and then boom yeah once he quit it was just like okay cool yeah you know what recording is the thing that's you know that's fair and like i know you from july mm-hmm. i like i know the other bands you were in because i think we've kind of been around the same amount of time yeah, if yeah. not me maybe a little longer because i'm older mm-hmm. um but july is the kind of the one that i know you from in a roundabout way which is funny because i don't think we actually met each other until maybe two years ago yeah i don't think we did yeah like i we have a ton of people in common but and i always remember hearing about you and anton who's your i guess studio partner or was or, yeah we, uh, he yeah. is yeah we we share the space it's like a timeshare sort of yeah. Thing. yeah and so like the same thing with him i've never actually met him in person but i've known of him and i think he knows me in that kind of roundabout right. sphere of ontario bands or whatever yeah um, but July was also kind of this band that like, to me, at least anyway, was consistently going without much effort, mm-hmm. which I'm not saying that as a slight, no, it's yeah. not at all. It's just like things seem to run so smoothly it, and that yeah. was such a rare thing for bands that like, 
of that size and whatever because I can remember all of a sudden hearing about you guys and you're like oh they're doing this tour and they're doing this and they're doing this and I was like the fuck you know <laughs> yeah um was there a conscious effort that from the guys that were in that band to run things in a certain way or did it just kind of happen and you guys went with it so no it, it, it there was a conscious effort when we had a singer before Devin a guy named Dave and when he ended up quitting the band which was kind of like a blessing in disguise because he was just a nightmare um, <laughs> shout out to Dave shout, shout out, out to Dave, Dave. <laughs> uh it was it was like all right you know what Devin's like an unreal singer we can change the sound a little bit like we can do a little more what we always wanted to do and not be not be like grouped with the bands that were currently around mm -hmm. and whatever and then we sort of realized at the same time like you know what we we don't I I toured with my old band and everything and we don't want to just be doing these like weekend runs or we don't want to do this so let's make a record and let's get our visas and figure it out along the way and that was sort of the big thing like when we made that conscious decision to basically like only do the states it really helped i don't know what what it was but we were sort of talking about it in the hallway like on the way in but it's just sort of like you go to the states and you're two hours away from a major city constantly and it's there's a billion and a half bands which you might seem like a bad thing but it's also a good thing because they all want to tour too and yeah. you know i'm still playing the same for the first few tours, we were still playing the same caliber of shows that we were playing here. They were floor shows. There were 40 people at best. We didn't sell any merch. We you made, made 70 bucks. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, but we never stopped doing that. And I think that was the difference between like a lot of our friends' bands who would kind of like come home and sort of loafed around. It's like, no, who's the next band that we could like hit up and see, you know, who sounds like us, wants to go on tour and whatever. We still have our visas for another year or for, you know, another 11 months. Like, let's figure it out. And at the peak of the band, in, I think it was 2013, we broke 100 shows. Now, it's the only time in my life I've ever played, like, more than 100 shows a year. And it was just, yeah, it became sort of a well-oiled machine. Like, we were all in it. We all knew, we, we all had jobs that would not affect the band and knew, like, we made sure of it, you know? Like, yeah, we yeah, made yeah. sure we could work and tour easily. We made sure, you know, that we always had our visa updated. We, um, we had a manager who was really great with helping us with a lot of stuff. Um, and he was one of those guys who actually like believed in the band. So we did, we had a bit of like a, a team of guys ready to go and it helped. And I think what happens is I want to, it sounds, I don't know how to say it. That's what you need, but you can't like, it's not, it's easier said than done. Sure. You yeah, know? Yeah. Um, so it was, it's, it's one of these things that like, it, it's a bit of luck, but it's a bit of like, we really worked our asses off. And I remember when, when Devin quit, it, we just got what was to date one of probably like our biggest tours and he still didn't want to stick around and i think that was going back to the other thing is what made me want to do this more it's like well you know what doing all of this still really no label support like we went to japan we did all these crazy things and still no like still nothing else i think my sister was dating your guitar player and, and went to japan really graham oh graham yeah oh, oh yeah that's we a weird graham. small, mo yeah. small yeah. world yeah. moment there yeah we had graham in the band oh. yeah he was, I don't know if he was like in the band or filling in. Or he not. was, he, he joined. Your sister has a type, eh? <laughs> <laughs> what do you, what do you think of Graham? <laughs> nope. Um, anyway. Uh... <laughs> I snipped. I have nothing. I have nothing. Oh, that's going to be our second <laughs> edit ever is right there. Ooh. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, he, uh, it was, uh, it was a good, it was a good thing. And I, maybe I'm just saying like an old guy in terms of at like. At 28 years old. At 28. Yeah. Um, no, but like, I, I feel like had we, had we toughed it out a little bit longer, 
more things would have happened because it seemed like that the year Devin quit was the year like all of our friends started getting picked up and things like that and like I think we really just needed to write like a, a proper full length and do like a proper thing you know honestly that reminds me so much of um a meme that I remember seeing <laughs> like six years ago where has nothing to do with suplexes no so <laughs> there's two guys digging tunnels one guy so and there's like treasure at the end of each tunnel yeah one guy is like maybe i don't know five strokes away from breaking through the wall to get to the treasure but he's turned around and he's walking away yeah and the other guy is like halfway and he's just given her yeah and it's that thing of like you never know how close you are unless you keep going exactly and it's super like cheesy and generic but it, it really rings true to this it's, it's true though and i would our, say especially in music Oh, yeah, it's, it's you never know like music. when when something's gonna happen or when the right person is gonna yeah. hear you or the right tour or who knows like and, there's a whole bunch of different things and, that come into play. Oh yeah, and our band was that what you just described like right down the middle. It was like dudes who wanted to keep digging and uh, and you know dudes who didn't anymore. Yeah, and it 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 gets tough at that point. Like we looked for another singer. We we did not quit, and until until it basically got to the point where it was like. You know, nobody's filling the shoes properly. We're all getting older. It's been like nine months of no growth anymore, and we're all getting a little bit freaked out about it. I had the opportunity to move down to the city. My wife just got a job down in the city, and this place, like, we're, I, I just met Anton, and we decided to, like, do a studio thing together. Mm -hmm. So it was just like, you know what? We didn't just, lot, like, stop dead in the tracks when we lost Devin. But it you definitely tried to away a little bit. Yeah, we tried to keep digging, but then it just. It, I think there's also something to be said about having the right people. It, you know, yeah. it makes oh, a yeah. big difference. Like at least for me, especially like, there have been off and on times where I've had some of the right people, you know, and you you notice when you have the right people in the band that things all of a sudden start moving a lot faster. A hundred percent. You yeah. know, and like Sparrows has had infinite amount of bass players. Uh, what like four drummers or something, and know. like four or five guitar players. But it's like where we've made the most progress was with people that were obviously in that same boat. Where yeah. it's like everybody has the same guideline. And people waver. Like, and I, I've do, never yeah. been a, in a position that's where I like... Like nobody's ever going to be 100% yeah. Yeah. all the time. And, and you can't after a while. No, too. you like, can't. It takes a toll on you. And you can't fault somebody for it. Yeah. Where I seem to get annoyed with people, though, is when they're not honest about it. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the traction issue that I've always had with people is that like, someone's gonna quit that's fine like it does me no good to hold you here yeah it does you no good to half-ass it the whole time yeah yeah you're just gonna but, be holding each other back exactly and then i'm gonna end up to re resenting you and you're gonna hit me in the face with a baseball bat or something <laughs> you know like it's fine yeah but there there is something to be said about like and we've had to do it before where it's just like this guy's available let's go yeah and it, that's always the ones that don't last very long and but it's it's in the interest of carrying on yeah that you do something like that yeah and the the route that you've gone is the route i've gone before before i met or before john decided to be on board and justin mm. decided to be on board it was like almost a solid year where i think we played six shows yeah and it was literally because it was like oh these guys are available let's go do a weekend right you know because i didn't want to kill it but at the same time i was just like there's nobody here yeah you like, know what do you, and what, and like i'm sure just like i'm sure you know better than anyone like you also don't just settle for anybody oh like funny you mentioned graham like he was one of the only second guitarists we had in the band because we would audition dudes after dudes after dudes and none of them were good enough like none of them would stick none of them would want we actually had a revolving member a guy named mitch who played guitar who we always said to him because he'd always quit 
anytime you want back, you're more than welcome. We're basically not going to replace you. The only guy we ever replaced him with was Graham. Right. And then when Graham quit, we never even got somebody else. We went with, tr like, tracks for the second guitar. Like, yeah. you, you get to this point where it's... And I think that comes with the well-oiled thing. It's like... Mm -hmm we did it what we needed to do to keep it going for as long as possible and like you said too with people like leaving like i do not fault devin at all for quitting he put his all in at the hardest of times he was 100 percent and the most important times and when it took a toll at the hardest time for him he he told us he didn't hold off for months and months and months he didn't fake his way through he was so convinced that he couldn't do it anymore that he, he didn't even do that last tour you know and i don't even fault him for that i get it you get to a point where it's just like you know what i'm not in the position i was a year ago when we were doing this yeah i and this is me just being upfront with you and when he, and when he left we felt it a little bit but at least he didn't drag it like it might have been like a month or two where we were like i think Devin might quit the band but we never it, he didn't drag it on for six months and perform poorly and be a piece of shit or whatever Absolutely. You know? like he was honest, that's that's worse you know oh and it's totally worse and that's always been my point with people is and like why i've had issues with certain people when they do quit is that um you know i'll turn to john at some point and be like i think this person's gonna quit yeah and then yeah, you know, you know i'll be like, like i don't know maybe yeah exactly <laughs> and he's like ah oh, we'll figure it out and then like a couple months later down the line it comes out and it's like if that had happened when i turned to john and was like i think this guy's gonna quit we would have had time to figure shit out yeah and you're just being an ignorant prick at that point yeah but that's also forced us, the three of us, like, we have a new bass player now. He's a great dude, good musician. Like, he's, I think he's going to be a great fit long term, which is mm -hmm. awesome. It's been a while since we've been able to say that about somebody playing bass in nice. the band. Yeah. Um, but that's, not to inter like, yeah. interrupt you, but the thing with the three of us is, like, the three of us have been playing together in the band for, what, four years now? Five, almost, almost five years. Yeah. Almost five years now. So we have our That's own, exactly what I was going to say. Our yeah. own, like, culture going on. Yeah. And... I can understand for somebody joining that it can be intimidating. Oh yeah, um, totally. But at the same time, it's like we we know now that oh, if, if bass player X jumps the boat, okay, great, we can Let's still go back carry to what on. We're doing. What, <laughs> yeah. we, what we did when the three of us were like the first show we like I played in the band was just the three of us. Yeah. And we've done what two or three tours as just the three we did, did all of last year. Yeah, like all of last year, we did a like a twenty-two day trip out west as just the three of us. Yeah, it sucks because you have to carry more shit. Yeah, and <laughs> like it's more stress on the three of you to you know our do set stuff is and, a little bit different. There's yeah, like, you can't play stuff. You can't play certain too. songs you want to play necessarily, yeah. and it means like okay, well when we're loading off the stage and stuff, like everybody has has like a specific role of what has to go on and. Um, if somebody's having an off day, you feel it a little more yeah. because you can't rely on a, an extra person there. Right. So, and shit's just way more expensive. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, the expenses yeah, are crazy. Yeah. 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 Um, but at the same time, it's like, we know that we can still survive doing it like that. It's mm -hmm. not optimal, but we know that it's not like, oh, we've lost a member. Um, yeah. Band's, you know, on hiatus now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. We can keep chugging away. I Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was, well, I was just going to say, like, from recording, like, I find that the strongest bands are those bands. And they're still, because they'll still make the effort to come in and do a record or something without a bassist. Well, that's you know? our, the most recent record we just did. Yeah. It's just the three of us. I we wrote that record and recorded it as just the three of us. And, I mean, I'm proud of us for being able to do yeah. that. And oh, not yeah. relying on another person to, sure, it's nice to have a fourth person there to input ideas and... I mean, if we had a, a fourth member when we were writing the record, 
shit might be different. Yeah, like, totally. You know, it might be yeah. a completely different record. It might be slightly different. Like, you but never for know. me, being the type of person that I am, it was also nice to be able to have things feel the way I should because I right. wrote all the bass too. Right. And played all the, well, I would say it actually was kind of a mix of everybody playing bass because I would start to learn from, say, what Justin was playing. Right. Like, Okay, well, I've got to think about the bass line for this, so it's going to be different. Or, like, what his kick pattern was. Yes, I actually yeah. didn't play bass on this record. No. <laughs> I, wrote bass, I wrote a bass line on the last record. Oh, nice. Um, this is the first record John's been on where he didn't play bass on. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Well, I didn't play on I just I just came up with the idea on the last yeah, record. But, like, I, I think that there's something to be said about the creative effort of four people being in the one spot, and I love that. Yeah. And I've always... Like, people... I get shit on a lot because of the way I am very, this is how this works. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And my people always used to joke, like, why aren't you just doing something solo? And I hate that. Like I, I respect everybody that can do it. But for me personally, it would drive me crazy yeah, because yeah. it's not my thing. But at the same time, Dan Thompson and the sparrows, <laughs> <laughs> but the, sparrows. the, the fulfillment of knowing that, like, I know, like I, I'm not really critical on what other people play because we've also been playing together for so long that right. they know what I'm not going to like and vice versa. If I mm-hmm. show him a riff, there's stuff that I know that I have written where he would just be like, are you kidding? You know, and that's We're not fine. Weezer, dude. Exactly. <laughs> I've, got, I've got a pop rock record in me right now. It's like, hell. Um, but I think there's something to be said about that well-oiled machine. Like yeah. You're kind of saying where it's like, you just know. And when we came in, when we went to, because we recorded with a guy named Brett, mm-hmm. when we went in to record... He was laughing at us because we had so many things organized that most bands don't. Like, yeah. we knew the track listing. We knew all of these things going in. Yeah. And he would come in and be like, all right, well, you guys don't have a bass player. And I'm like, no, no, we're good. And I, we would just track it. And he'd be like, that's perfect. And I'd be like, I know. Cause or, yeah, or he'd be like, oh, why don't it. you try doing yeah, this? And the, the right. places yeah. where we needed to adjust things, it was real time. You right. know, it wasn't like, oh, well, you're going to have to talk to this person about it and then we're going to have to figure everything out. I was like, oh, yeah, no problem. Because mm-hmm. then I'm going to cater whatever's going on because it's me involved directly. Yeah. And there, I, there's something really nice about that. Oh, yeah, totally. You know, and um, I th- the, what I was going to segue into that is I think that must be what's probably the nicest thing about recording is that at the end of the day, like you're working with other people, but it's your mix. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's your... It's your product. It's your product. It's, and so you kind of get this overwhelming involvement where at the end of the day, it's mostly you. It is. It, you know? And not to, not to sound like... Not to like, shit on other bands. No, I'm no, not no, trying no to but say like, that, but... you know, like, back to the well-oiled machine thing is like, I see both sides of that in... Last year, I probably played bass on 70% of the records I did. <laughs> Where the hell are all the bass players? They're all all guys on like an island not that cool, all right? Bass is cool. Bass is sick. I just bought a new bass, actually. Is it in here? No, no. I was almost, before I started playing drums, legitimately almost took up bass. That's crazy because I love Monine. Like, (laughs) I love. And I remember Kenny telling me the story that he met Peter because Peter had decided to start playing bass because he couldn't find a band to play drums in. Yeah, really? Can you imagine Monine without Peter playing drums for that much time? Yeah, that was Like, sucked. not to bring up the dark ages of that one <laughs> record, but, like, I can't imagine are we really happy with somebody else because I, he is such a oh, fucking no groundbreaker. Yeah, I mean, the reason I did that is because there was this band when I was in elementary school, I think I was in grade 11, and they had... Elementary school would not be grade 11. Sorry, like you were 11. I was 11. There I was going to let it slide. No, no, no you can't do that. <laughs> Sorry, I'm still... I'm still uh, He's on L.A. time. I'm still on L.A. Time. Oh. Um... 
No, uh, what I was going to say is they had three guitar players, and one of the guitar players was playing the bass parts because he just never replaced the one string on his guitar, so he just had, like, a five-string guitar. <laughs> <laughs> like, he didn't have a high E string or something? I don't know. And they, they already had a drummer, so I was like, oh, I want to be, I want to be in this, like, I want to be in this band. Like, this band was playing in front of, like, they, we did a Playing in front show. of people. Yeah, they were yeah. playing in front of people. Right, I was yeah. like, oh, I want, I want to be associated with that. I want that, like, quote-unquote celebrity and so when it was like, oh, they're looking for a bass player, I was like, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll play bass. Yeah. Not knowing, like, how <laughs> to play it at all or whatever. so funny. Because right. um, it's the same as me. Like, I first learned how to play drums. Yeah. Can you picture well, me playing drums? Well, that's because your dad is a drummer. I know. My dad's a drummer. That's, like, my oh, thing. Oh, nice. Yeah, but can you imagine me as a drummer? Not a chance in hell. Can I imagine time you playing into, anything? Every, every time we go into a guitar center, you oh, I smash the shit out of you. it's mo- but if you're in my headphones, you hear the thing going, oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like it's something dumb like that. Uh, but I can't picture you playing strings. You know what I mean? Like anything string oh, related. Me even picking up a guitar. It just looks, looks awkward. Looks yeah, awkward. like it does not make oh, sense. Does that, so we just did um, a, a one-off <laughs> show in Rochester, New York, a couple weeks back. Uh, Almost a month ago now. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. And we were at uh, Great uh, was it Great House Guitars. Yeah. And uh, have you ever been there? No. It's <laughs> oh nice. If that yeah. building went up in flames, that's like forty million dollars gone. Oh, it's gone. Oh my god. Yeah. But they were they uh, the guys were like, oh you're playing the the employees were like, oh you're playing tonight. Like why don't we do a promo shot with like you guys and us and we'll post it on our social media. We're sure. Like, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Sweet. So they start handing, like, they hand Dan a guitar, Dan has whatever, they hand Justin a guitar, Justin, they hand Jack, a, and then they hand me one, I'm like, I'm the drummer, and they're like, ah, oh, whatever, you're in a guitar store. So I'm just standing, it's like, I'm like, how do I, you don't even know what to do, I'm just like, I'm like, the Ricky Bobby thing, it's like, what do I do with my hands? Yeah, you know? like, I, I just do have hands. no idea of what, just, just hold this, hold the this. The next yeah, day, just... I get a text message from Justin's little brother, who used to play bass in the band, just going, who gave John a guitar? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, what, what are you talking about? And he, he's like, He's like, nothing looks more awkward. Because even when you see the photo, he's like... <laughs> it's like those people who don't know how to hold babies properly. That's yeah, yeah. It's like, me. what do I do with this? Yeah. That was... Uh, yeah. I don't know. Um, did you... Did your parents play... You no. Know, so you... I'm the only, like, musical person. I, so am I. Um, yeah. And my parents, like... It's come up in past podcasts where I feel like parents reach sort of this fork in the road where they're like, it's either sports... Or music. Yeah, as you or, mentioned or already. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, my parents, like, again, rolled the dice and were like, all right, we're going to do piano lessons. And, I mean, for me, it, I'm not going to say it paid off, but, like, right. that's sort of what I'm doing a bit with my life now. Yeah. Um, and I, it always, I always wonder, had they enrolled me in, say, soccer or hockey, would I be at the same level or, you know, like, achievement level where I am now, where, like, I'm in a touring band, I'm not making money or whatever but right i'm doing this would i be we make lots of money <laughs> <laughs> i wish <laughs> don't haven't seen a royalty check in a while <laughs> oh, um, my last socan one was four dollars oh well, that's one, a big one, of, one of those dollars is mine <laughs> no no this is just for me this is back catalog shit okay. we haven't even got to the new stuff yet. um anyways but i just wonder like would i be playing in like you know like the echl or something or like right. what would i would my would talent level it? Uh, yeah, taking dictated me for, something yeah, else. dictated something else. Like, would I be trying out for the NHL? Would I have been on the World Junior? Although team? seeing you for to be fair, maybe not. Probably not. But yeah, I mean, I don't know because like I, it's just you always wonder like if you've taken that other path. This is were really you a, were you a meta, sports guy when no. you were a kid? I mean, to the degree that like any parents put their kids in sports to try out, but yeah. not really. No. no, like I played hockey for a year and I was a defenseman and I was a terrible defenseman. Uh, I played See, soccer I didn't even do for that. like a month. Didn't even do that. Like yeah. I did, I did sports camp. 
you yeah. know, and it was like super general and not competitive. Yeah. Not yeah. Ribbons, you know? Yeah. Um, but I never did anything like that. I never did rec league soccer or yeah. my parents never took me to hockey or I never did hockey camp or anything like that. And, uh, like, I'm at the point now where if I have kids, I'm like, do I want them to do sports or do I want them to do music? Or I do I want too. them or, or am I just going to give them the choice? And right. Like, there's parents that enroll their kids in everything and yeah. throw shit at the wall and see what sticks. Um, yeah, I never know, like, what... I don't know. Sometimes, I mean, even, like, there's people like you, for instance, like, your dad is musically inclined. Mm-hmm. So that... Exp- partially could explain why you are musically inclined and see I because feel you like were I'm, exposed to it at such a young yeah, age yeah, yeah, around yeah, like, yeah. so I'm you're like oh i should probably though. do this because when i grew up like my mom is the sport person in our family which oh, is yeah. a weird thing to say but then like i can remember my grandmother talking about when we grew up like my mom played baseball and hockey competitively Whoa, and crazy. she is like uh, granted everybody kind of thinks of their family in their own way and i have a very complicated relationship with my family but my mom is one of the best skaters I've ever seen. And when I played hockey, she would be the one that would come out and play the, like, parents-kids game. Right, And yeah. would fucking skate circles around people to the point where she would get embarrassed and would just, like, pass the puck to people because <laughs> she was significantly better. And so when I grew up, we were sport... Like, my sister and I were both sports-oriented to a T. Mm-hmm. And I, I always liked music because it was always on in the house all the time. And, like, yeah. my dad was always, like, jamming with people or doing whatever. Uh, but it wasn't until I was maybe, like... 12 or 13 that I was like oh it could be fun to play something yeah like seriously yeah yeah and even then like my parents put me in guitar lessons for maybe six months and I was terrified of my teacher like he didn't I wasn't comfortable I didn't like being in the room with him I didn't want to do anything and so I wouldn't practice because I would dread going back the next week to my next lesson it's funny you say that because when back to our arts high schools um being in the percussion program when I was in grade nine and grade ten um, we had a specialized percussion teacher that came in like every second Monday. So while kids were doing scales or stuff, we would rotate out at our, whatever was hour and a half or two hour period. The three of us would have, you know, 45 minutes with this one guy and he was like That's this. Awesome. No. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the fir- like well, now I, I would love I that. did it. Yeah. So we, I had three different teachers throughout, um, high school, but I was always, even before I got in, I had um, a family friend who was in the percussion program mm-hmm. two years ahead of me and hearing like the horror stories of this of teacher and how much of a dictator he was and like making people cry. And mm. like, I think he made me cry once in grade nine. Like he was just oh. ruthless to the point where I would start skipping class like those on days, the days I knew yeah. he was there. And then I would obviously get in trouble with my <coughs> music teacher, not yeah. him, but my music teacher being like, right. where were you? You know, we're paying him to be here. Mm. And it, it got to the point, actually, I remember where I almost thought about leaving the music program because I was like, I can't keep doing this. Yeah. If this guy is going to be here. He's ruining this experience for me. Mm-hmm. And I think there was enough, finally, there was enough, uh, like, backlash from other students and parents being oh, like, we really? need to, like, this guy is, you know, causing too much. Yeah. Because, like, sure, the kids in grade 11 and grade 12 were like, ah, it's just, you know. It's whatever, It's yeah. just him, like, it's just how he is, you know, you just have to deal with it and just practice or whatever. And I was like, ah, no, I don't want to do this. No, absolutely so not. So I had two, so by the time I hit grade 11, I had a new guy and then he ended up leaving and then I had another guy after. And both were way better experiences because, like, if I was struggling with something, they weren't going to fucking rip my head off about it. Right. Be like, how come you're not doing it, like, this way? And it's like... yeah. Because he was very, he was 
from like the uh, some Quebec conservatory, so he was very. Why does it matter if they're from Quebec? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying that's where he's from, and uh, he had a very strict way of how like I should hold my sticks and how right. I should be doing a like a buzz roll and how I should be you know playing timpani what mallets I should be playing I can't be playing this brand I have to buy this specific brand it was Jesus. super yeah I have to put a, a plastic bag over the top of them because the inside of my stick bag is going to ruin the cotton like it was really oh really God. intense for a 14 year old you're just like I can't can't do this I'm not yeah, playing in, in the, like, the symphony you know like just I'm just doing this because I like it yeah and like a bad like how often do you hear stories like of a bad teacher just ruining an experience Absolutely. for somebody like i i even think to myself like i i had a i had like a i went to drum lessons and i liked my drum teacher but he was also like beginning like a beginner drum teacher right. in terms of it was like i was like one of his first like students and i think to myself constantly like i wonder how much better of a drummer i'd be today if i went with somebody else because i only sure. ended up doing lessons for maybe like a year because i was realizing i wasn't progressing he wasn't really like teaching me the way i wanted i imagined right. i'd be taught and that and that's like the opposite end of the spectrum but like you know what i mean like it's still the same kind of thing yeah like it's a still bad teacher in a different way yeah a yeah. bad teacher makes you kind of think like like, in, in, in your way, like, a bad teacher might make you feel like, oh, you know, I don't want to fucking do this anymore. And in yeah. my way, is like, a bad teacher's like, I don't want, I don't, I, I can do this without this guy. This guy's not yeah. doing anything for yeah. me. Yeah, it's like, you know? Yeah. It's like, there's a difference between being a good player and a good teacher. Yeah. And I always oh, yeah. think about that because this guy that was my guitar teacher was known in the area. He was a big session player and, like, was booked every day of the week because he was a good player. And I just remember, like, when I stopped going, I remember my mom just being like, do you not want to do this anymore? And I was like, no. And we never talked about it. We never did anything. And I, it was like a year and a half later when I decided to pick up the guitar and I would just play along with the radio. Right. And that's kind of how I figured out how to start playing. Mm -hmm. But I, I just remember so clearly, like we would go to this place and I would sit there in terror the whole time. Yeah. And it's not like he was doing anything that was like, he wasn't coming down on me or anything like that. It was just the whole situation was not comfortable. Right. Yeah. And well, I it's would, your whole anti-authority thing. Yeah, I think <laughs> that comes from somewhere else. Trust me. Um, but it's just like, I, I can't remember why we got brought up with that, but like that, that always makes me wonder how people end up in music because I know a lot of people that have that same story. Yeah. You know, or they've like played for a little bit and then get turned off. Cause like, if you don't have anybody in your family that's musical, like to jump into that sort of thing, kind of like him, yeah, there's it's nobody a that's, random. that's you're, you're not corner, driving you know? force. Whereas like my mom never forced us to play, mm -hmm. but she was excited about it. Yeah. You know, that especially was, that was my baseball, dad. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, cause my, like even now, like baseball's like, I loved hockey and I played competitively for a long time, but when you look at me, you also see why I didn't go anywhere after a certain point because I'm short. I have a temper. And that doesn't go over very well in hockey when you're short what? and you have a temper. And I was a goalie, too, so it was worse. He's pretty much a um, But in baseball, that doesn't matter. And, like, baseball, I would argue I was better at as an athlete, mm -hmm. but I also just enjoyed it more. Like, yeah. I didn't play competitively after a certain point. The last couple of years I played, I played softball because yeah. it was just fun, you know? And I loved that. And But in my head, I have a really hard time with people who are, like, something isn't passed down because I can look very linearly into both my parents and understand my interest zone based on both of them. Right. And so like when I hear you like, no, my parents weren't anything like that. I'm like, how the fuck did you end up as a drummer? You know, like, I, yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean like I sort of look at it more of, I still see like, like you said, like linearly, like what happened with my parents is like my mom is a workaholic, mm -hmm. like a straight up workaholic. Like she, when, when my sister was born, she was, she was a real estate agent. I already lived with my dad at this point. When, when, when my sister was born, 
the joke was that she went right back to work the next day. You know, like <laughs> mm-hmm. she sold a house the next day or something yeah. like that. Um, and my dad, my come like thinking about it now that you mentioned that my my dad was a sports guy. He played hockey, and mm-hmm. he he came from that era. Like I absolutely love my dad, but he was totally that guy. Like oh, if I stuck it out, I'd have been in the NHL. Like mm-hmm. sure, dad. Yeah. But he like <laughs> he, he coached he coached teams. He like. Uh, he played a lot. Like he was always in leagues. He was a really good hockey player too. So I see that like the the need to want to do something creative is I think from like my dad and the need to stick the, to it. The is... need to stick to it and the the fact that I'm like I do this full time and I put all of my energy into like a studio is my mom. Like yeah. I I do I hate giving my mom credit for anything, but if there is anything to give her credit for, it's like my work ethic. It's like because of her, a hundred dangerously high. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, for the rest of my life. Yeah. Well, it's funny, like, because even though you don't have, say, a direct influence from your parents, yeah. there's still something there. Exactly, and I think that's it's 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 the way that I think all of us are going into any direction is like it's not about the actual thing in which you're influenced. It's the it's the the ideas behind it. You know, like the sports thing. Sports and music sometimes do go hand in hand. My, one of my best friends is like a was like a professional lacrosse player, like one of my best musician friends, you know. And and then my mom's like workaholic is the business aspect that I think I needed to you know bring the band where I brought it, put the studio where I brought it. Yeah. So um, I we always you will never not take from your parents, no matter how Absolutely. great or terrible or your better. Parents are. We are yeah, your parents' kids. Like, we are always our parents' kids. It's why like I think to myself like oh fuck when I have kids like I'm either gonna completely fuck them up or like coddle them too much or, yeah. which will fuck them up in another way yeah. you know what I mean like I'm nobody's fucking perfect <laughs> yeah exactly always yeah um yeah so that that's I think the influence of like my parents is more of of the the general things they did more than the actual like being a musician or being whatever sort of thing did you have anybody in your extended family that was musical no like, is there a I mean like I'm <laughs> they're all lawyers I'm super, <laughs> no, one real estate agent all lawyers I'm, yeah. I'm super Italian like they're they're not a creative people. Uh, food related, they are. Yeah, food related, say, they are. You watch that. You are getting slapped next time somebody <laughs> in your family sees no, you. No, that's true. <laughs> well, my dad, my dad's like a chef now, which is funny. You oh, said very that. cool. Yeah. And he's super. Yeah, in yeah. food, they are incredibly creative. Yeah, but like half my family are mechanics, and the other half of my family. Can you suggest like, a good mechanic in town? After the we'll talk about this after. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so do you still play drums like frequently or do you take uh, not, a step back now that you're doing more? Than not as stuff? frequently as I'd like. I still do probably like I, I, I jam with a few old band members like once a week and like a, like a fun band that we have. But um, I don't like my chops aren't like how they used to be, unfortunately. Right. And um, what was your first drum kit? First drum kit was a Pearl Forum kit. Nice. Yeah. With the symbols included. With the symbols. Yeah. <laughs> the was, it, symbols. was it because um, again, I worked in music retail. Was it, what color was it? Was it black? No, it was this Silver? hideous, no, it was this like hideous green. Green, yes! yes. I know exactly the kit, yeah. Yeah, okay. it's like yep. this dark weird sparkle that looks Is like. Is this better than a Westbury kit? I called it puke, it... I called it puke green. Yeah, it looks yeah. like puke, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, I think it was better it than is, Westbury. It is, yeah. yeah. It's, okay. I think my... Well, the difference is Pearl, like especially the forum kits, from what I remember, use a poplar shell. I think Which is like did, a cheaper yeah. wood, but Westbury uses like. And when I was selling drum kits for a living, um, I would always try to, because Westbury kits, I think like for the whole package symbols and everything is usually maybe about 400 bucks. Mm-hmm. And a Pearl kit was about 700, but I was like, look at, you're getting a brand name kit, yeah. which if you're going, cause I always said after two years, you're either going to stick with it or you're done. 
Like your kid is either going to keep it, going yeah. or they're not going to do it at all. Yeah. Um, and if they're going to keep going, they're probably going to want something better. So the resale value of having a brand name kit, people are going to see the name, they're going to know it, you're going to have a better chance of selling it again instead of having to take a really big hit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, or, if, again, if you're just going to sell it because they don't want it, same thing. So it always came down to kind of like resale value. Yeah, it's like of course. Spend the extra because you'll get a better return mm-hmm. later on. Um, that's so funny though. What? Pearl yeah. Form kit. Pearl, Pearl Form is my first nice. kit. What uh, what kind of kit do you have now? Or do you, like, I uh, guess you have a kit in your I've studio. I've got two, yeah. So I, I have a Jelly Bean CNC kit that I bought when I was, like, 16. That's why it's Jelly Bean. Mm-hmm. Um, no judgment here. <laughs> uh, it just means it's, like, it's, different colors. Yeah. Yeah, it's, oh. well, it's, like, it's a sick studio kit. Sure. Nobody, nobody sees it. It's not going to be a music yeah, video. Yeah, nobody sees it. Yeah. <laughs> it just has to sound good. It, it does have a really stupidly long kick drum, and I always want to cut it down, but Which every is so time funny. I record it, it sounds fantastic. That's so funny, because like every CNC kit I see coming out these days, yeah, it's like max 14 inches deep. This, you know? so this is, they make their own shells now, and yeah. they uh, and they only do like vintage spec stuff. When so they did a CNC kit. Yeah. Currently. Yeah. yeah. Well, when, when they did this kit, or when they did these ones, it... It was they were still a fairly new company, so right. they would do basically like Orange County was the big company back then, and of Orange County kit was like twice the price of yep. this. I was like, oh, the guys CNC, I like you know, my uh, my favorite drummer at the time. Well, two of my favorite was Peter mm-hmm. and uh, Brian Lane from Brand New. Both mm-hmm. played CNC, and I was like, oh, I want to fucking CNC kit. Uh, to me, was see, sorry to interrupt because I'm not a drummer, but those are the two, and the guy from the Get Up Kids are the three yeah. that I always remember seeing CNC from. Yeah, seeing Which CNC. Is- yeah, it's funny because my two biggest influences were Tucker from Thursday yep. and Riley from Thrice. Yeah, and they were both, and they were both CNC, CNC guys. guys as well. Yeah, Which they aren't anymore. They mm-hmm. moved to a different company, but that both, was... Both uh, the same company now. Both the same company now. Which is weird. Um, but they were a big reason why I, when I was approaching them and vice versa, that I was like, yeah, okay. like, And then, obviously, like, Brian from Brand New and... Yeah. Get Up Kids. Like, it was just, oh, all these bands I love are playing this drum company. I should probably, you know... Yeah. So I, I had like I had like the opportunity to get this kit and um actually ordered it in like a, in interesting plies like eight ply toms ten ply kick which their normal at the time was six ply everything I think or mine's six I think toms. all seven now but yeah they do fun plies now like yeah. seven or three or um it's just like a Keller shell kit uh but like you if you went to CNC now and were like build me this kit they're like just go to SJC like yeah yeah, yeah totally out of here yeah totally. you want um, your sparkle wrap exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and then I have I have an SJC kit in my practice space that I just got a crazy deal I just more for the aesthetic than anything did you buy it used kit. or did no you buy I got it from it, them I bought I got it from them I guess they built it for somebody it was like on their website while we were on tour okay. one day and I, I was like it's sick it's like um Age Pearl with like a champagne stripe and it's got Ooh, like nice. wood hoops, like nice wood hoops. Oh, it's like nice. a super classy looking kit. Yeah, yeah. And the kick drum's amazing. Kick drum's like my favorite kick drum I've ever Is it played. Maple? Yeah, six ply maple, the whole kit. Awesome. Um so I've got those two kits and then just like a boatload of snares. Like here I've got like a like a pork pie black beauty. What's your go to snare for recording? Like for session stuff. Well, so I've always Sorry, wanted... I know that's like a super loaded question. No, no, no. Well, especially being a drummer. It's not I'm... like you're a guitar player and you're like, oh, this one just sounds good. It's like yeah, no, it's I'm a little like... more detail. I, I, I was going Sorry, through Dan, just you like feel very alien. <laughs> I like to learn. <laughs> I was going through just like catalogs of stuff I've recorded, and I have this sort of like threshold. Like with drummers, like if you're a, if you're a shitty drummer, I replacing your stuff with samples. But like if you're, <laughs> if you're a good if you're a good you're drummer, quantizing everything. Yeah, shout exactly. out to samples. Shout out to samples. <laughs> if yeah. you're a good drummer, like you can make a real kit sound really good. Sure. And I was going through and talking with a bunch of friends, and I'm like, you know what? What do you like the most out of drums? And everybody's like oh man, like Black Beauties or like any metal snare. So I started going through, 
I started going through past recordings of mine where I knew I'd use like a Black Magic or a Black Beauty or mm -hmm. something brass. Yeah. And I realized I used less sample in those when it was paired with like a really good drummer. So a lot more presence too. Yeah, a lot more presence. A lot, they sound like the snare that I like to hear, you know, not like, I like wood snares, don't get me wrong, but like every time I would look up a record, like I fucking love that snare drum. It was almost always a Black Beauty. So I went out recently actually and bought like a pork pie black beauty for like 250 bucks. Mm -hmm. And I love it. I've used it twice already and I'm like, it's exactly what I want. But before that, I've I've got a, it's actually Anton Snare. There's a Pearl Eric Singer here. Like a oh, 20 nice. ply. Yeah. Really heavy duty. Yeah. Just works on everything. Doesn't it have like the um or no, I'm thinking of a different snare. Because I remember when I was working at L and M. We did an in-store signing with Eric Singer. Oh, yeah. So I have, like, a giant Zildjian flag <laughs> oh, that nice. I had him sign in, like, Silver Sharpie. Um, but a guy, one of the first guys in line, had one of his signature snares. Really? brought it in and got him to sign the drum head and stuff on it. Yeah, it's like He a... waited, like, four hours for him to show up. We're like, dude, he's not going to be here till two. Like, just come back. Like, you'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I brought three coffees with me. No, it's, it's Eric yeah. Singer, man. I got it. Yeah, well, you know, the Kiss um, Army is... Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, That's it's putting it politely. awesome. Yeah. And then we also have a... Pearl Vinnie Paul here, which I was so excited when Anton Anton ended up buying <laughs> like that one by too. Yeah, ten or no, it's by eight. I, I was so excited when Anton bought it because that's the Riot snare, like the David Bendith like Paramore snare that like right. influenced half the records I do. Mm -hmm. And I never fucking use it. Like I hate it. It doesn't sound how I want. It doesn't whatever. And then I've got an old Orange County with vents that's just like whenever punk bands come in, it's just like the oh, something really snare. poppy and yeah. dry. And oh yeah, so it's super like take off your pants and jacket like cranked yeah. like. Um, and then just an old CNC snare that matches my kit, kind of. That's just like a very good straight up snare. Sweet. Um, but no, the the Black Beauty gets used. It will moving forward get used almost exclusively. I mean, that's it's so good. That's always been the snare drum forever. Where it's like, if you're a drummer, if you're like a professional drummer, quote unquote. Yeah. Like that has to be a snare that you own, like in your arsenal. Yes. Or something yeah. at least that replicates. <laughs> so, yeah, like I don't own like a real one, but like I have, yeah, like yeah. I have a DW chrome over brass yeah which i call my dw black beauty right um and that like i shockingly don't i'm probably gonna use it at practice tonight now that you brought it up now yeah. i brought it up yeah, yeah. Play, um yeah. no my girlfriend bought it for me for my birthday one year and uh because i've always wanted a black beauty but they're like 1200 bucks so much bucks. Money, there's yeah. so much money and uh well, i remember when the black magic snares came out i always wanted one of those and i just i never got around to buying it i got like a Jimmy DeGrasso signature pearl snare, which is like three millimeter bead of brass. Yeah. Not three, no, 1.3. I don't know. It's not very, it's like a thinner brass, but it's like everything is gold. <laughs> like oh, yeah. all the hardware is gold. <laughs> the rims are gold. It's like my bling snare. Yeah. Um, I would and, agree with that. And I've, yeah. I've had that snare. I've had that snare for like nine years now. So it's like, I could probably sell it cause I don't really use it as mm -hmm. much and it's whatever. And then I have, um, the, uh, it's like my like holy grail snare which is the um abe cunningham tama signature oh snare. nice yeah I've it's got like the four like bent holes on it and it's yeah. heavy as shit it's like yeah, yeah. i don't like to carry it it's all brass <laughs> it's uh and it's funny because it's like with the exception of a snare that i have at my parents house that i've never played and i only take it out to look at it it's like a dw neil peart Hockey Night Canada snare. Oh my god, so it that's has amazing! Like all the Canadian, except for the Jets, because they weren't a team at the time. Right. Yeah. But it has all six of the is it six? Yeah, yeah six, yeah. six Canadian logos around the side of it. It's got like powdered blue hardware. Oh my god! It's literally I bought it so that the day that Neil Peart dies, 
fucking going on eBay. <laughs> you can sell it. It's yeah. literally an investment. <laughs> it's an investment yeah. snare. Um, but this is uh, my retirement. Yeah, I bought I bought it for like sixteen hundred bucks because I was like, oh, this is this geez. is gonna make me a lot. Of right. Money. Yeah. Um, but that that tam- might cut that out of this just so people don't know your secret. Sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't care. I'm just kidding. He's not gonna die for a while. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully, fine. hopefully not. Hopefully. Um, Shout out to Neil Peart. But uh, yeah, that Tama snare is like what I've been taking on tour with me for the last like two years since I've owned it. And it's, it's just like, I probably shouldn't be taking this out yeah. because A, it weighs a lot and it, it it's expensive. It's like, yeah. it's like the one of the biggest talking pieces I think that exists in our band too, though. Like, uh, unless you're a guitar head, in which case you see what me and Justin have going on and you're like, Jesus. But like anybody that's just a basic musician will go talk to him because yeah, his drum kit is weird and the snare is really weird, yeah. you know? And yeah. that's like even just being a guitar player, like I notice it and now notice other people's stuff because of that. Right. Yeah. Which is interesting. It's so. just yeah, it was just one of those things. It was like he's my favorite drummer. He came out with the signature snare drum. I should probably. And there's it. not very many of them, is there? I have number eighty eight, I think, and it was I bought it at the North York L and M, um, because they were the only store in like Canada or Ontario that had one, and. Uh, their manager at the time, Travis, who's a drummer, had ordered it in, but wasn't sure if he was going to buy it. And then mm-hmm. I showed up and I was like, here's my credit card. <laughs> like, I'm taking it right Give now. Give me snare. Yeah. You are giving it to me. Yeah, you're giving it to me. <laughs> That's and, funny. Uh, like, I will, I will probably never sell it because it's just, you know, I don't care. Awesome. How long have you been here at the studio? February will be five years. Five What's years. the official name of the studio? Room 21 Sound. Room 21 Sound. Yeah, Sam Room. Sam, Room 21 Sam. Yeah, there room we go. Room 21 Sam. No. Uh, yeah, Room, room 21 Sam. Uh, just because it's Unit 21, and I just, I wanted to put, like, a website up because just, I didn't want all the gear stuff on my personal That website. makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but you do jump around. You're not just working out of here. No, like, I'm not I saw that you did some here. stuff at Union before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, whenever this the budget, is your, like, home base. Yeah. Whenever the budget allows, I will go to Union for drums because the drum room here is pretty small. It's doable. I've done so much stuff that I've been like more than happy with out of here. Mm-hmm. But like, why not? If, we if you've got the chance, Union. Union's a beautiful studio. That's where we awesome. recorded the drums for Let the Silence. Silence. Yeah. And it's a great Oh, yeah? Movie. Yeah, sounds yeah. awesome. I didn't know that. Yeah, three days there. Uh, nice. The rest of the, the stuff was all done at Kenny's house, like guitars and bass and, nice. and everything. Yeah. But yeah, drums cool. are all done at Union over, yeah, three days. Um, it was I drank a, a lot of coffee there, which is <laughs> yes. not a good thing. I'm... Well, their coffee's really good. It doesn't make sense because it's just a shitty little coffee machine. I know. Like, fuck. Well, yeah, I don't know where they get it from. I think though. what it is is like you get there in the morning and the first thing the engineer does is like hand you a cup of coffee. Yeah. And that's the first coffee you have all day. You're like, oh, I'm going to fucking need this for the next few days. <laughs> yes. uh, yeah, this, this is, this what's is the, the guy's, What's the guy that was in Alex. 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 Alex, Alex, Alex Gamble. Yeah. Gamble? Yeah. 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 What a guy. Yeah, yeah he's, he's, he's really nice. He, yeah. the, the Shout out time, to Alex. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Alex. The first time I was there, I uh, he was there. And now they've got a guy, Darren, uh, who's a sweetheart. Shout out to Darren. And, was um, the N64 working? Because it was not well, we were there. I don't oh. see when you're the producer of these things. <laughs> yeah, you don't you have fucking time, time for that. Yeah. I don't know if the N64 was working. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I remember, because I literally spent the whole time in the control room, like I was even eating in there, which they were getting mad at me for. But I was like, I'm not leaving this room. Um, but I remember because their drum room is like up in their little loft area. Yeah, and the sink just... nozzle was broken. Yeah, and so right. like we got there, and you had to like lift it up and hold it <laughs> to then turn it on and like use it, which yeah. made me laugh. But no, that place is that place is cool. Did you? I don't know if you've seen the. I guess you probably have because you've been there enough. The photos of when it was. Oh before. yeah, the book that they have. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, I was there last in August, I think. Oh, you're there pretty regularly then, eh? 
Uh, maybe like twice a year. That's I'd good. like to do more. Yeah, it's more than us. <laughs> yeah. I. What's nice is I think uh, I do. Um, I record drums last when I do records. So it. Gives oh, I the hate up. you now. <laughs> I forget ever working together. Oh, that would destroy man. me. Oh, oh God. I've always been like curious about how that works. Well, like... I'll, I'll tell you why. And I don't. It's on a case by case basis, but it almost always happens to be that way. Mm. And you. Relax. <laughs> um, we talked about this at the beginning of this podcast. That's well, not how I want it to be. Well, you mentioned <laughs> you mentioned something that's that bands don't think about when they go into the studio mm-hmm. is oh I changed a bass part because of the kick pattern. Mm-hmm. It is more often than not a band comes in who a haven't rehearsed their songs ever. They just wrote them on a computer and b um, like didn't pay attention during practice the one time they played what the fucking kick drum is doing versus mm-hmm. what the the bass guitar is doing mm-hmm. or when a vocal cue happens is the vocal is coming in on an offbeat but the whole band starts on fucking mm-hmm. one so like we'll go through pre-production and bands don't have time to sit there and do pre-production like in the old days like if if a band practiced regularly did their songs regularly and came in with demos that i could hear that things were in place i'd do drums first but that Never. Rarely I'm not happens. even saying. Yeah, I, I, let's say rarely. Like I would say, ninety percent of the time, does not happen. Or the songs aren't even fucking written when they come in. Like they, we've got half a song. Here's a riff. What else are we doing? Or we've got so, six songs and we need ten. Yeah, exactly. So we're writing a record on the fly four days before we go hit record for the first time on this record. I am not going to record a drum kit with absolutely no idea what the vocal's doing. I can't. Because I'm going to be let down in the end by myself. Nobody in the world might hear the difference, but I'm going to be let down the fact I that I guess that's kind of fair. I I've never song. thought about it that way, to be honest well, that's, with you. That's the thing. But and, I'm also crazy, so... Well, like, think about it. Like, it's not like we're not recording drums. Like, we'll do scratch drums or we'll do an electric kit or something. Yeah. You, I like to do the electric kit because then you can change, like, the kick patterns afterwards. Yeah. You know, and that's all pre-production. And if we nail it all in pre-production and the drummer's ready to go and they know this thing that we just changed... 90% of then mm-hmm. fuck for sure we'll, we'll do drums first but like that just doesn't happen mm-hmm. so they get uh, they get like two weeks to listen to the newest version of the track the way it has to go with all the changes and then on the day they know where the room is for fills they know what kick patterns are happening and I've also done bass dead actually I'd, I've done bass dead last more than I've done drums last because most like I said most of the bands didn't have bassists last year so, right. so I would do it when they left just to not take up studio time because I could do it in my apartment or I could just do it late night here or whatever mm-hmm. um but yeah, the drum-bass relationship is like, drum-bass vocal relationship is so important to me that I, it's it's me doing the like, no offense, I'm not I mean to you, but Please like, be offensive, yeah. <laughs> keep your f- ego at the fucking door, we're doing drums last, because the song, <laughs> like the vocal is all that matters to Absolutely, me. yeah. And so often than not, I'll listen to something and be like, you know, the vocalist starts on the offbeat and the whole band comes in on the one, it's like, why wasn't that pushed back for everybody to launch it? Unless it's aesthetically done, mm-hmm. sure, but like, I think I've heard it aesthetically done once in my entire life versus the 99% where I've heard it be the most distracting thing in the world. Yeah. So I'll do drums last. And that goes back to the union thing is like, it affords us the ability, especially because I share the space here. Let's put five, six days really hard work in. And then at the end, we'll go do drums at union and make it really sick. I don't have to do drums first. Editing drums is a pain in the fucking ass. Like I basically outsource. No, it's, it's just... <laughs> The, the thing is, like, you could be the best room in the world, and I, I still have to edit, you know, a, to a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, I outsource all that now. Like, I couldn't do a record, especially think of a full length, like, three days. Mm-hmm. I couldn't do a record without taking a one-day break or two-day break after doing drums just to make sure all the editing is done correctly. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. well, we can't start tracking the next day. I'm not fast enough. I can maybe do a song every 45 minutes, but, like, I'm also going to be fucking burnt out doing that. 
Yeah. So it's nice to. And you're not going to get the product that you wanted. I'm not. Yeah. It's rushed. Yeah. And Absolutely. I, I, I work with a lot of bands. I work with a lot of great bands. I work with a lot of mediocre bands too. And I like to. Do you think... want to unveil the list right now? Or no. oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Let me, uh... <laughs> let's um... try my filing cabinet here. <laughs> let me see. Uh, bad bands. Uh, it's the biggest folder. Yeah. <laughs> um, Jesus, that's that's anyway. I'd like to think that regardless of how, how bad the band is or how good the band is that i kept my quality consistent you know it's almost like honestly i would i would agree with you and the work that i've listened to that you've done like i and i was gonna bring this up this sounds really dumb to say but you're like the chorus king if that makes sense (laughs) and now based on what you've said it kind of makes sense yeah and the fact that you're paying attention to the vocals a lot yeah paying attention to this sort of thing which for a band like us maybe not quite the right thing. It's also not necessary for a band absolutely. Like you. Yeah, but then you look at like say like Heavy Hearts is on there, Cold Front is on. Oh, I was there, gonna say like, you know? we were, like the new We Were Sharks record. Yeah, yeah. did like that's that huge. Is just fucking absolutely. hook after hook. Well, after a lot, hook. a lot of a lot of that was I can't take all the credit. Paul Mark from Silverstein like was a co-writer on that record. Oh, oh really? He's no. also the hook. Is that like, the supposed to be known or no? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. No, yeah. I think he, he's credited. Oh, that makes it. sense. Um, I mean, that record sounds great. Like, but you can yeah. also hear the focus on what he's yeah. talking about. And that's about. the thing, yeah. yeah. And that was the thing that we sort of, like, set out to do, and that's what they wanted, and that's what most of the... Because I do a lot of, like, pop-punk or poppier things, yes. and the chorus is, like, the most important thing. Sure, absolutely. Also, I, 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 I always want to say this as a, like, buffer to myself, is, like, I don't actively seek to do those things. Those just sort of are the project. And I love doing absolutely. them, don't get me wrong. Sure. But I'd like to think I could tackle any, any record coming my way. In fact, I would prefer to do... Everything. Everything, yeah. yeah. I prefer to do rockier records. I prefer to do a band who wants to cut, you know, bass and drums live or, well, or something like that. Didn't you, you do know? the 100 Sons record? I, yeah. You I had a hand in it at least? I did, yeah. I did all the engineering for guitars, bass, and uh, drums on that record. Yeah, so, and um, I mean, like, that would be way different from, say, the standard pop-punk stuff, where it's... Uh, you know, well, to a degree, I... Well, when you listen to that record, I think that there's similarities, but not in, like, I wouldn't compare it to We Were Sharks, but I could see how there would be a similarity sure. there yeah. to the, the way it's put together. I didn't have a huge hand in the production of that record, but I'm, I kind of wish I did. Listening back to the record, there were just things, like, I love that record. I, I didn't fa- end up finishing it. Uh, I think they did, because um, they only booked me just for those things. Um, but basically they uh, did the rest of the thing with Bo Burchell and somebody else that would make sense in the States, and then I think Bo mixed the whole thing. Um I I wish that they let somebody produce it a little bit because they it's very self produced mm-hmm. and I just wish that they did because you listen to some of the songs like verse chorus verse chorus and like a little thing and it's over and that's cool but like I would have loved to hear that chorus one more time or I would have loved to hear another part come in and I love the riffs on that record that it almost like it almost like over overshadows the rest of that in a good way like cool these songs are still sick regardless of the fact that mm-hmm. it was self produced but like I think that they could have brought brought it just a little further had a guy been like let's do this or let's change this yeah. up do you find that this perspective changes the way you listen to music oh that was gonna be my question <laughs> I knew it. I knew Fuck. we are one person yeah. Yeah. <laughs> i was gonna be like how has this ruined music for you yeah. like when you listen to a record now and you're like oh, i would have done this this differently or, um or like i wouldn't have mixed this the same way or the kick drum could be louder or whatever. um is that something you actively do yes. or is it yeah yeah okay. music is almost 100 ruined for me Oh, yeah. that's such a bummer. Except for uh, some hip hop and some electronic stuff, because right. it's out of because your realm. It's a little more out of my realm. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is really funny because I've gotten really into country music, which oh, I yeah? don't openly say. 
But like the last six months, because of, again, where I work, it, you have to put on a little bit more friendly kind of listening. Yeah. And I've gone really, like, I'm a big Lucero fan. Oh, yeah. But because of that, I've gone really down into, like, they're not really a country band. Right. Like, I'm not talking like Garth like, or something like that. Yeah. It's kind it's of like just stepping like. Stepping Stone. Yeah, I, yeah. It's like, it's like alt country or something. I don't know how to explain it. Yeah. But I've gone really down that hill. And it's the first time in a long time where I've, like, openly enjoyed music without having to think about it. Yes. And then that's kind of what you're saying, too, is, like, this is out of what you work on, so therefore it's just pure enjoyment. It's, yeah, and it's tough. It's tough to openly enjoy. Like, when one of my favorite bands will release a record, the first thing I pay attention to is, like, the production and mix quality. Of course. And I wish I didn't. Because, like, if I hear something... Which is why said nothing about our record. (laughs) (laughs) No, actually, it's funny you mention yours, because I've only given it the, the... a good once through but like yours and funny you mentioned country too is like big live drums are my favorite thing mm-hmm. and not enough records have them oh for sure and it's i think it's a budgetary thing i think it's a time thing um, i also find a lot of uh, not to interrupt you um i find a lot of producers or engineers don't know how to use a big room properly they don't because they've grown up recording in small rooms yeah right? or and they they want to like they have their samples or whatever whatever. like all right this is how like yeah Yeah. there's producers i've worked with or engineers i've worked with in the past where they record your drums and then they go like and it's like oh that sounds like these other five records right yeah Yeah. there's nothing discernible about it where it's nice to hear yeah like yeah i agree i agree completely with that Yeah. yeah it's it's like almost impossible for me to listen to like a rock record when it comes out in fact the the only one uh if you guys listen to the new bring me the horizon I've record. heard two songs, but not enough to be like, I know what it Have is. Have they like, not? Someone told me they just like straight up pop now. Yeah, but yeah. I can listen to it again, which is kind okay. of exciting. Like I'll put it on and I'll I'll actually listen past the production. And then the second listen, I'm like listening to the production because I can just, uh, there's almost like no. You want to just enjoy it at first because yeah. of what how different it is. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm the worst. Like I, we can't have this conversation because <laughs> I really don't like anything. Well, um, I kind of, yeah, no. But your, it's yours is exposure. Mine is, it's not choice, but I'm just kind of a dick. And the the thing is... He's is not that, lying. I'm not lying. I really well, just hate things. I and, think I'm kind of a, I think I know what you mean. Yeah. Because like, it, it's exposure to me, but it's also like, I'm a heavy critic because I want this to yeah. be fucking better. Well, like, and see, Bring Me the Horizon is a good one because... I, my exposure to them is that one, like, this is a heaven, this is a hell record or whatever it is. Do you know oh, what I'm talking about? the one before they started the change. I don't know. Yeah. And I, I, like, my exposure was because a friend of mine was like, I think you might dig the riffs. And I was right. like, okay. And I gave it a try, and I really liked it for probably four months, and I went to see them play in Montreal, because I lived in Ottawa at the time. Drove up to Montreal for the day, watched them play. Polar Bear Club was playing that show, so that oh, was a nice. big draw because I love Polar Bear Club. Yeah, they're such great. a random bill. It was okay. Here, that is this a is, bill. This is the bill. <laughs> yeah, it's like very Bring cool. Me the Horizon. Yeah. Um, August Burns Red. Okay. This is Hell, and then okay. after that was Amorosa, okay. Polar Bear Club, and there's one more that I'm forgetting that's like, huh? It's like a really weird <laughs> mix, and in the middle of that, I left. It got poutine, <laughs> and like came back. So the first four bands you listed that bill could. Absolutely, yeah, but this is the package. Yeah, this that was is like two shows in one. Yeah, that's what I mean. Then like, Polar Bear Club. Yeah. Then a weird section of shit like Amorosa would say. I don't even know. Like I learned what Amorosa was at that. Right. Show. Yeah. And there was somebody else <laughs> who I can't think of. And then August Burns Red, Bring Me the Horizon. What I saw was this is Hell, Polar Bear Club, Bring Me the Horizon. Because I, I I can't do like if it's Poison the Well I'm in. Other than that, like met, metalcore, right? I can't do it. Yeah, I'm not. You a know, I like August Burns Red. 
like I've, I think I've seen them actually twice and both times I was like I totally get it right it just doesn't do it for me I'd right. rather see botch do it you know but I'm also old so that's where my bitterness comes in um I completely forgot what we were talking about oh bring me the horizon right so <laughs> seeing them play I was like this is fucking great because they just killed it but it was yeah. all heavy it was all like and when a chorus would come in it was like a good fit for when a right. big thing would come yeah. and then it was gone and then I remember after that, I heard nothing of them again. I just fell out because I went back to the six bands I listened to. And we were in the van one day, and I remember you put on that, the chorus is like, bit by bit by bit, or something like that. Oh, okay. Um, it's Sempaternal. Okay. Yeah, that's on the, yeah. So that, that was like, my next. Me, that's their, like. Okay, but that yeah. was my that's next exposure to that band. Record. And he was like, oh, this is Bring Me Horizon. And I was like, what? Yeah. You know, and like, I no, all the power to you. Do whatever the fuck you want. But they were such a good, like, riff band yeah. that to I, me I'll, it's, like, ruined now. But if you think about it as a different band, then it's like, okay, I get it. And now, from my understanding, this is what's happened again. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that because that's the record that I got into. Like, I knew of their old stuff. No, I'm, I'm, not, a, I'm not really a big metal guy at yeah. all. So I never really lit, like, Bring Me the Rise, I'm not going to fucking listen to that. Mm-hmm. But uh, the riffs on Sempaternal were the thing that got me. Well, and, that was, like, where they were like, oh, okay, now we know how to write heavy but also with a really good hook. Yeah. And, and like that, like that for me, it's like, if you can combine those two things, like that record to me, like does that seamlessly. That's and yeah. It, it, it's like every song on that record, there's like seven singles, you know, yeah, yeah, every it's... song is this like big chorus, but with like fucking heavy breakdown, yeah. whatever. And it's just, there's a mix of screaming and melody and it's, all you know but what i found what i found interesting is like when you listen to that record and then you listen to the record following you can sort of see the progression absolutely you know? yeah and then you listen to this record and you can see the progression you can't see the from the two mm-hmm. but the middle one helps it and i won't lie because i was thinking about it the other day it's like when have i heard like a band release in my opinion solid record after solid record after solid record mm-hmm. those three the they're all completely different they're all the right progression per record in my opinion and I don't hate a single song on any of them, which is so rare for me to say yeah. about, like, a record. Um, but I think they're becoming that band now that's, like, they're playing stadiums. Like, they... They're an arena rock you band. Can't, yeah, you can't play the, the stuff off their first album. I mean, this in, is a compliment, but they're becoming a Nickelback. They're they're the Nickelback of... Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. I, yeah. But but with, like, way more street cred. Oh, so, yeah. But that's oh, yeah, why I'm saying, like, I mean it as a compliment because yeah. Nickelback was just, like, fuck this and, like... They Let's know what they do. Hooks, yeah, yeah, and, and they so have a formula, and they stuck yeah. to it, and it's like and great. Bring you're Me gonna... the Horizon kind of did the same thing, where they yeah. figured out like we could be successful, so let's just do what we're gonna do yeah. and be successful at it. And, and the thing the, is, their fans yeah. are still going to like it. Or yeah. oh, I mean, yeah. it's like it's the age old thing, and I used Thrice as, as an example when Visu came out. Yeah, that was the splitting of the seas. You know, old fans were like, "This is bullshit," and some fans were like, "This is great," but they picked up how many new fans? And that's the thing. And it's right? like at the same time, like. Being in a band, you're not writing music. I mean, some people will say, yeah, we write music that the people want to hear. It's like, no, you're writing music that you want to hear. Right, yeah. To an extent. And it's like, it doesn't matter what people think because, especially with that record, it was like they're gaining so many more fans and those old fans just want to hear Illusion of Safety 15 times. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And that doesn't matter, you know? It, it just like, if you're not, and that's why I love Thrice as a band is because for the same reason that Bring Me the Horizon is evolving thrice evolved you know mm-hmm. every record is kind of different yeah in its own way and not necessarily in the way that you're saying like you can see the progression right but it was like visu came out and then alchemy came out and that was completely different it was and then so different, yeah. came out which was completely different major minor like it 
every record has its own personality yeah and that's what i like about them and then i mean a band that kind of does that but not so much as like for me is deftones mm-hmm. they like i mean not that they've been writing the same record continuously but like you hear it and you're like ah this is deftones you right no yeah but there's each record at the same time has its own distinctive characters yeah. or characteristics I, I don't have a problem with bands doing the same record if they're really good at it. Like, if, if that's what you do... Slayer. If, yeah. yeah. You absolutely. know what? Like, even, like, uh, even like that last Metallica record sounds like old Metallica. Uh, I, you know what? Haven't listened to it yet? Because I just haven't had... Like, I haven't sat down to... It's pretty sick. It's It just sounds like sick old Metallica riffs. Like, it, it doesn't Sweet. sound like... Sweet, okay. I will probably like it. <laughs> but, like, th- there's something to be said about doing that. And then there's something to be said about at least trying new things. You sure. know, like, yeah. When you when you're talking about like the the chorus thing, um, I did a record with the Afterimage. You know the Afterimage. There's like a like a progressive we'll say yes metal <laughs> for this. Like yeah. a progressive metal band that like had a really great singer and they wanted to incorporate more singing. So a huge thing we did on the record is straight up like genty music in four four, but every chorus is a banger course and we set out like we literally like the guitarist was a uh are they from here yeah okay the guitarist was a good engineer so he was engineering his own guitars after i signed off on it in pre-production and the vocalist and i basically spent two weeks in here writing and recording every Courses. single course yeah, yeah. Like, very cool like it was that was the goal of the record mm-hmm. and to me that was cool because i i knew their old stuff and i knew how crazy it was and i knew what they wanted to do with the new stuff and i wasn't the producer who came in to rewrite their breakdowns because they were they're still a heavy band at the end of the day i was the guy who came in for the pop part of it yeah. for the idea of like we want to keep our old bits but we want to just you know enhance what you're doing yeah exactly and i knew too when they came in because i remember talking to the singer he's just like the next record might just be all singing he's an insane screamer but he's like the next record i don't i don't i don't think there's still a band anymore i'm not sure but he was at the time what they wanted to do was break out of the screaming and go to the singing but keep crazy like insane riffs in the background that's like um i mean two bands that i would kind of compare that to now is uh between the bear to me yeah where they started off as this crazy proggy metal band, and then now they're still crazy proggy metal, but there's this whole other like extension of them now. Yeah. Um, but going on with like the all singing thing is a band called The Contortionist. Yeah. It's also proggy in their own way, but if you l- listen to their first album, it's all screaming. Yeah. But like their most recent album is like beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like there's so many different soundscapes, and it's all singing, and the guy like. Their vocalist voice is, like, heaven. Yeah. Um, I think it's, like, a longevity thing, too. Like, you can't scream forever. It's just yeah. kind of... I, I wish some... Unless you're in Converge. That's true. His that voice sound exactly the same. I know. I think it's because he's got one vocal cord. You know, like, he doesn't <laughs> yeah, have yeah, just the ones working one there. And that's the only thing it does, <laughs> and that's it. But, um, but these bands, like, want longevity. Like, when Under Oath came back, everybody was so polarized on that last record. But I... I wouldn't have expected any other record. Yeah. That's what I that's what I wanted them to do. Not maybe not what I personally wanted from them. It's like a quote unquote maturity. Yeah. You know. But that's what I completely expected and wasn't let down. They're not going to come back day. with uh, they're only chasing safety. Exactly. Part two. Yeah. Or uh, see, I have a weird thing with this band though cuz I don't like them really. Under Oath? Great. Yeah. Which is that reaction that I just got from your face is what I get a lot cuz they're oh, like, man. "Really?" It's like when I'm saying, like, I'm not really a Thrice fan. People are like, really? 
because it That's doesn't make sense when you listen to what I, we play. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but the thing is, there's a few songs that I do like, and they're mostly from, what is it, The Great Awake? The great, define The Great Awake? Define The Great define Line. The great Thank line. you. Um, I think I'm mixing two references. Define The Great Awake. <laughs> um, but it's like where they get kind of spacey, which starts to get into my realm of things. Mm. I have not heard their new record at all. Don't know what it sounds like. Don't really have an interest, to be you're honest with you. probably not going to like it. Yeah, you probably I mean, just like it. But what, no, probably not. But what... I find funny about this stuff is when bands come back and they feel like they have to like defend themselves on shit and then turning to bring me the horizon, they're doing the same thing and they don't give a fuck. Yeah. And the thing that I don't get in there is why you have to care. That's always been a thing in my head. It's just like, okay, I don't care about under oath at all, but if they want to do a complete change, if you don't like it, just don't fucking listen to it. Don't yeah. fucking listen to it, yeah. And so that, when you're talking about, was it the after image? Is that what they were called? Yeah. Okay. To me, it's like, as a producer then, do you have a responsibility to try and pull them a little bit more towards what they're good at? Or do you feel like that's in there? Because if I was producing that Under Oath record, based on what I've heard, at least anyway, I'm like, guys, you gotta get heavy somewhere. Just no, like we'll one see. or two times. You just gotta do it. So you know? it's funny, it's funny that we're on that, on Under Oath, and the after image thing is mm-hmm. Underoath did that record with Matt Squire. Who's Pop King. Who's yeah, yeah Pop absolutely. King. Taking yeah. back Sunday, every record. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And like I'm I'm not, I don't record that many metal bands. I've no. done a few, but no. like it's not my forte. A big reason they sought me out was the chorus thing. Mm-hmm. Was the the fact that I the the hooks that I they wanted to write with me, you know, or like the ideas. And he, they knew their strengths. They knew that the vocalist was a strong singer that he wanted to push that direction. So it was a conscious decision on both parts. Like, yeah, I'll take the project because I, I liked your band and I think you're a fantastic singer. Mm-hmm. And I'll definitely take the project because you want to, to use go into a direction. Yeah, yeah, you want to go into a direction that I feel I'm pretty good at. Um, so yeah, so it's... I, I, I want to work with the strengths of every band, whether it's mm-hmm. a chorus or whether it's just like... Like my... I love... I love writing courses with bands, but at the same time, I've always just wanted to write like a, you're not under oath fan, you were saying, right? The, the record Lost in the Sound is just like Riff City and Screams and like not really choruses, like maybe two or three on the whole record. Mm-hmm. I would just love to do a record like that with a band mm-hmm. because I like, it's not breakdowny, but it's just heavy as balls. Mm-hmm. And that's, I've always wanted to make a record like that. I've mm-hmm. never ha- really had the opportunity to. Um, but I just want to play, like, I just want to be the guy who's not rewriting or who's not writing your songs. Maybe we'll rewrite parts together, but I'm not here to like write your song. I'm here to take your absolute best thing and push it out of you until yeah, you're, you're just pissed you're off. You're like a me. director. Yeah, it kind of. Yeah. I had, I had a conversation with somebody about that recently when they're like, they, they mentioned something about like the producer in a movie and a director. It's like, well, no, the producer of music's more like the director of a movie yeah. than mm-hmm. anything else. Producer in a movie is like the guy that gives you the money. Yeah, basically. Yeah, I'm definitely not. He's that. the one that's giving me the, the record label. How to do it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, You're freaking giving me the money. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, no, the director yeah. or the producer is the person that's taking your strengths and trying to exploit them. Exploit them. Yeah, properly. exactly. And that's my job. And I say it. I, I always say it as like uh, I'm gonna admit this. I always say it as like a uh, as like a way to pump people up like a like a coach but like and i believe it is like a song lives on beyond all of us like you're gonna do a record of 10 songs you want all those to be and this is like the thing i like i say to people when they're like apprehensive of my ideas or things like i'm not ever going to completely destroy your idea if at the end of the day you really want the thing that you want who the hell am i to say no yeah but 
here's why. You're paying you for a reason. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But here's why I'm going to say no. And yeah. I always tell people, it's like, the song's going to live on well past you or me. Like, if we're lucky, the song will live on till the end of time, but at least for a couple hundred years. Like, it'll be, a, if, if you make it as a band and that's your that's a song, like, don't you want to not look back in 10 years and go, fuck, I wish, I, you know, Sam said, you know, change that one kick pattern to this, and I kind of get it now. You know, like, not maybe I wasn't right at some things, but, like, the only reason I'm suggesting these things is because I'm thinking of the song. I'm not doing it to inflate my own ego. If I want to yeah. inflate my own ego, I'll just go make my own music the music exactly yeah, I want. Yourself, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, it's the way that I imagine as a listener and, and like I always get demos from bands and things like that and I only listen to them once they always come in like oh did you listen to like every single thing I say, no I just listened to the demo to make sure the song existed because yeah. if you <laughs> if, if you come in with no fucking songs I'm gonna be pissed yeah. but if you if, if I listen to that demo then I'm gonna be no better than you I'm gonna be demoitis like cool we're just gonna keep it exactly the same I've heard it 50 times now yeah. but if I come in knowing that there's parts of the song that are cool because I've heard it once or twice at least I can go day one like alright let's take a listen from the top that needs to be half as long. That could be a little bit longer. That should be the chorus. That should be the bridge. Have you ever done a record where you're like, wow, this is like flawless. I don't really need to change anything. I'm just going to... Yeah, kind of. I've done a couple. I feel completely useless when I do records like right. that. But um, <laughs> not in a bad way. Like, it's, it's kind of like... like it's kind of less stressful then? Because you're like, all right, this is done. Yeah. And all I have uh, to do now is hit record. I, I feel like... Or do you feel like unfulfilled because you're like, oh, I can't add anything to this. Because no, already... because I, I really enjoy, I really, really enjoy mixing. So um, even if the production, excuse me, even if the production part of it isn't, um, it, I'm not as involved because the songs are in such a great place. At least I know I'm going to be able to mix. Like I get more excited if anything. Like, fuck, the song already sounds great. Here's the one, two little things we're going to do. Let's record it. And I'm so stoked to mix this and hear the final version. Yeah. But um, no, I'm not, I'm never really like bummed about it. I'm more um it's never been i don't think i've ever hit record like or recorded a song that hadn't changed at all from beginning to end but there have been some songs where literally the only thing we did was maybe shorten a part or move a pre-chorus somewhere else or something like that like and i'm down with that if the song's in a good place like yeah why it kind of should broke don't fix it yeah exactly and that's where it comes back. It's like, I'm not going to be the guy to write your parts. I'm not going to be the guy to whatever. I'm totally the guy capable of saying, you know what? This is fine. It's totally fine. There's going to be a million other production things we're going to do that are more like... More important. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like, the song structures there are cool. Like, we're going to have fun with harmonies. We'll put oohs and ahs in that thing. Or we'll yeah. put a tambourine in the chorus, which I do in every fucking chorus on the planet. Like, <laughs> there's a lot, shockingly, a lot of tambourine on our new album. Yes. A lot. I know. Us. For <laughs> us, especially. Well, like... Yeah. You, if you listen to any record really closely, especially pop, like rock records, there's tambourines always and going. And yeah, yeah. yeah. Kind of stuff. and people yeah. always say like, "Ah, Sam's gonna just put a tambourine in your course." It's like it's because every single thing I listen to has it. Too. Yeah. Just because you can't hear it doesn't mean it's not there. Yeah, it doesn't have to be in the front of the mix. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Have you uh, have you listened to the new Drug Church record? Yes. Okay, that's the thing I feel like is missing in some of it. There's parts where I'm like, there should be fucking chords, yeah. you know, and it's not there. And I get why it's not, because that band, it just doesn't make sense. It's like yeah. supposed to be bare bones or whatever. And that record sounds so good. And there's like fucking overdubs on it, which is unheard of. But yeah. I, it's so funny because I can remember listening. I feel like I even said it to you in the van once where I'm like, this drug church record is amazing, but like, they just need something. Like, there needs to be a shaker, shaker in there or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I just, I remember <laughs> feeling so dumb after I listened through it a few times, just being like, yeah, it's missing. It's just yeah, not there. It's not there, yeah. yeah. But fuck, that's such a good record, though. Like, it is. Um, yeah. 
when that first single came out, I was like obsessed. Weed pen? Yeah. Yeah. I was obsessed oh. with it because it was the first thing I put on in a while that was like sounded amazing too. Yeah. From like a from it's like a thick. Lo- a localish yeah. band or or like I mean they're on pure noise, but you know what I mean. Like yeah. a band I at that point really never heard of. Not like, and they, the horizon. Well they're not yeah. they're not <laughs> a huge know? band. Yeah, and like, like the I, recording is fantastic. Yeah, and like yeah. I didn't know the dude who did it. I yeah. didn't whatever. And I was like, this is sick. I get to hear a record that sounds awesome from like a a small band. This is yeah. awesome. Yeah. So then when that record actually dropped, um, I was so excited to hear it and it totally lived up to my expectations and I actually messaged the I ended up finding out who the producer was and messaged him and like, okay, like thumbs up emoji kind of yeah. Much like, hey, sunglasses and thumbs up like, <laughs> yeah. it's, just, it's so funny because I remember I got into them on the last record and Jay Moss did that record yes and yeah. we did a record years ago with Jay and it, oh, was, yeah. it was a decent experience but it was also weird because we had only ever worked with Kenny before then and me and Kenny have a weird comfort level between the two of us that I was expecting to get with literally everybody else right. in the world, and that's not how it works. Uh, so you yeah, kind of yeah. have it with Brett. I have it with Brett. Brett. Yeah, but, like, with Jay, he was so different that it was, like, I'm like I'm used to being, like, here's the songs. We're now going to play with this for four hours while right. we figure this out. And yeah. Jay was, like, here's the songs. That sounds good. Let's keep going. Right. And I am just not was not comfortable with that, whereas with Brett... I was like, this is what we're going to do. And he's like, what if we do this as well? And I was like, right. oh, I like you. Yeah, you know, yeah. like that sort of thing. Well, it's because you guys had like a t- like two tables full of... Oh, my God. Um, More effects pedals. Effects than pedals. It was like heaven. And we're like, well, what if we tried this one here? Yeah. It was okay, just, no, that one was, Okay, what oh, if we tried these two together? We like, we like, like bi-amped the basses. For, like, I, had, I used one bass, which is very uh, rare for me. Uh, like we guitar wise, we didn't use a lot of variety. It was like all the rhythms were done on my two tellies. You know, right, a lot yeah, of the lead yeah. stuff was done with a couple of Justin's guitars and whatever. But we got really weird with the way we did certain things. Right. And then because there was so many effects pedals, and he had built this like internal loop thing where he could just run it in and out, and it would just be in its own little circuit. Right. So we could plug in whatever we wanted to. We just did. Yeah, why not? Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. But that's what I'm used to doing. Like right. that with Kenny, it was with like Kenny let's plug especially. them all in at once, and then just go throw the guitar down the stairs. And yeah, I'm like, sure. Woo! Did it work? You know, like <laughs> yeah. that's what it was. Um, but I think it. We also were able to do that because, like, not to toot our own horn, we came and prepared. Right. Like, well, songs. yeah. Like you're saying, like bands thing. come you, in, like, don't know how to play. We yeah. practice obsessively. And yeah. We and like, we knew yeah. the track listing, and when we came in, um, like I. Like, I was in the headspace where I was like, I could do all the drums in two days. Right. And the only reason I do it in two days is so that I could, you know, just, like, Veg. go to the bathroom and, yeah, watch TV. And he watches the, the TV in the bathroom. Yeah. Where, it doesn't? got to the point yeah. where, where I would do two songs or maybe three, and then I would, like, have to stop myself because I didn't want to, like, sit around for two weeks doing nothing. Right. And we did, we, I think we literally recorded every song, like we did it in track order. Yeah. It was like, mm-hmm. all right, we're doing the intro today. Like first song we did, this is the intro thing. And like you did drums? Yeah, I did drums. Yeah, but I would do drums for two songs and right. then I would go fuck off. And right, then, and they would work and on And then they would do songs. bass or guitar yeah. and then I would come back in and be like, all right, this sounds good or like, don't do that. <laughs> that has always been my ideal way of wanting to do a record it's the first time we've ever done it like yeah that. It was fucking i awesome. love it yeah. i like shout out to brett yeah yeah again i've usually, always <laughs> with the last record we did i went into union and it was three songs and it was just drums and right it's it like all right yeah. i'm done i've yeah. done my part i don't i'm no longer included in right. this recording process whereas when we were doing it track by track it not like forced me to be there but i was able to be 
well, we also more involved. More involved, yeah. yeah. And I could be like, well, what if you change this note? Or yeah. what if, you know, this part sounds this way instead? Or yeah. oh, I like what you're doing there, you know, like that sort of thing. I was able to give more input. Yeah. Whereas there's stuff on the last album where, not that I don't like it, but it was like, oh, maybe I... I would have recommended this or right. something, you know, like, but I wasn't there to give my two cents and they could have easely just been like, no, fuck off. Right. The drummer. Well, it's, what nice. We did mostly. <laughs> yeah. it's nice because like, I, the only reason I don't do it is I don't have the physical space. Sure. Yeah. Like, cause the, ideally you want the drums constantly set up. You want a booth ready to go. You want a few guitar mm-hmm. amps or however you're tracking guitars to be yeah. also ready. Yeah. You just don't fly. have the, the physical space. Yeah. To, like have Which, everything on the fly. It, see, so back to tracking drums last, it, that does happen sometimes when I track drums last. Like, we'll spend some time on a few songs, work on those, and then a few more work on those because we're going to do drums last anyway. But ideally, like, I would absolutely love, here's these two, three days, we're working on this song until we get it done. Every vocal, every guitar part, every everything. Well, Just, the only thing that I think you only did in big blocks were your vocals. Because yeah. you'd have to warm up your voice and then you'd be like, all right. Yeah, sort of. I'm that was kind of like the free flow demand, though, where it's like I would get up in the morning and I would turn to Brett and I'd be like, we're going to do vocals at some point. I'm going to yeah. warm up. And I like, do that. But it wasn't the, well, every day. Yeah. You know, you know, and like the first, I think the first week we were there, I didn't do vocals for the first four days at all. Yeah. yeah and we just it, it was like, just... Well, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, totally. But I also wanted to get used to being there because my voice, is, I've learned over the years, is really finicky to temperature. Especially. Yeah, like you go somewhere and else. We, yeah. Yeah, we were in Jersey, which is like, it's usually pretty warm, and the fucking snow. Like, snow oh, it was like this, this snowstorm. Yeah. Like, literally. But like, when you were there? three times while we were oh, there. Oh, my God. So we getting used to like the tracking room and everything, but we got to a point where we set, like, John's, we recorded this big old church. And so John's drums were set up. We had the guitar amps set up in a different room that was closed off, but we had the bass in with John's drums, like the bass cabinets and everything were in there. And then I was just like, you know what? Let's just set up a vocal booth in there. Because that temperature is a little bit cooler, so I can just keep downing tea the whole time, and we'll be able to go like hour in, hour out, hour in, hour out. What it turned out to be is because it kept snowing all the time, it was like super... Like, I, moist isn't the word, but it was like the, the air wasn't super dry in right. there. Right, yeah. So we would go in and I'd just be like, let's do 45 minutes right now and then we'll go back and do bass again. Yeah. And we were able to kind of get into that zone and on it, like, not, again, not to sound like an asshole, even though most people know I am, I think my voice sounds really good on this record compared to the rest of them because mm-hmm. there was the freedom there. Right. Every other record we've done, I had to do vocals at the end and I end up blowing my voice out. And yes. so then everything yeah. sounds rougher. Yeah, that, that happens so a you're lot. You're trying to do 10 songs. And if we, like, it's not, uh, yeah. like, we, the vocals we do are aggressive. Yeah. Like, there's no ifs, ands, well, yeah. about it, so. Whenever, whenever I'm doing records, if it's a full length, the hard rule is, like, we're not doing all the vocals at the end. Like, no. And you just can't. Like, no. you will blow your voice out. And I've had it happen. That's why I learned that. Um, so I'll do records sort of like, you know, whatever, the fake drums first, uh, rhythm guitars, and then start vocals, usually when rhythm guitars are done, mm-hmm. or even if only a few of the rhythm guitars are done. At least it's you easy. Can start on those ones. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, like, I do the occasional real amp, but I'm very much the Kemper guy these days, or I'm a DI guy and then go reamp later while I mix, so mm-hmm. I have a little bit more control over the tone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll, so the vocal booth will be set up basically from day one after right. pre-pro. So we can do... You know, we start the day at 10 or 10.30 or whatever by the time we're actually starting. And, you know, 10 to 2 is guitars because nobody sings in the fucking morning. That's my other rule. <laughs> like, absolutely not. No, uh, no or should anybody ever sing yeah, in the morning. Yeah, and nobody should really sing for more than four to six hours. So 10 to 2 guitars, 2 to the rest of the day, whatever that is, vocals. And if there's time left at the end of the day, yeah, we'll do a few more guitars or whatever because we're, we're set up for it. 
But um, no way are we like leaving every vocal till the end of a record because that's just asking for like a mistake. Well, I mean, that's what everybody thinks it should be. It should be drums first, then bass, well, that's, that's, then, yeah, rhythms, that's... then leads, then vocals, then whatever auxiliary shit. I, I always like attribute it to, like especially when I have guys who get freaked out by the drum thing. Damn. <laughs> um, a thousand I, percent. It still scares me now no, even I, though I, you've reasoned it. I attribute it to making a movie. Like, you look at a conversation, even in the most absolute, like, art film of a movie, drama, that's not, you know, a superhero movie. Right. You see a conversation between two people that's almost never shot. I mean, it probably is shot that they're both talking, but they're filming this person first, especially if it's a single camera setup, and they're filming the other guy afterwards, and then they're filming here. Yeah. And the emotion in that conversation, if acted right stays identical. Yeah, absolutely. And that's just, that's and music. you have to do it three to times. Yeah, you know? and you've done it three times in th- ideally three different ways that are all equally emotional and it's edited together. And music doesn't, you know, doesn't matter what happens in here. It matters what's heard at the end of the day. Absolutely. If, mm-hmm. And that's like, I always, I always like, sometimes when I talk to producers where I love drum sounds because I'm obsessed with like drum sounds, like, oh, that was all sample. Like, there's no way that was all sample, but they did the job of tricking me, a drum guy, into thinking that there were no samples on that record because of how good those samples Well, that's were. the thing with you know, like, like, watching a movie, you're not supposed to know that you're watching a movie. Exactly. You're supposed to... It's supposed to engulf you and like edits and scene changes and everything yeah. is supposed to happen. Sure, there's movies out there that do stuff tongue-in-cheek or whatever to make right. you know, but yeah. like most movie, most Hollywood movies are made that you're not supposed to be aware that you're watching a movie. And and yeah, and I think like there's merit to there's merit to cutting a record live and there's merit to to putting it under a microscope right to the end because those two records could sound identical based on the band and that's just all that matters at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. It does if you can't hear the auto-tune, it doesn't mean it wasn't used, it mm-hmm. just means it was done properly. You know, yeah. if you yeah. can't hear the samples, it was done properly. Well, it's kind of like the thing <laughs> Isn't it said that like being a drummer, you're playing to a click. If you don't hear the click, that means you're doing, you're doing it right. Yeah, yeah exactly. That means you are right on the money. Yeah, like right if when you it hear the click, that means you're off. Yeah, I feel like um, that's like again. I'm gonna compliment myself again here. But <laughs> Jesus, I feel like that's also why I'm really good with recording, like click track, and you. Especially this is the too. compliment Dan podcast. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Fuck, that's the next podcast I'm starting. <laughs> I'm gonna set up a one eight hundred number where people can call in. And they'll just fucking just rip here. on me, and I will change it to compliments. Oh. <laughs> Fuck you, Dan. You're fucking stunning so human being. So it's called auto-compliment? <laughs> yeah. Auto, it's auto yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, but my father, when I was a little kid, always taught me, he's like, the thing you shouldn't hear is the thing you need to follow. Yep. Yeah. And that's that's always it been in my head forever. And, like, even if there's not a click track, usually I can catch the groove of what's supposed to be going of on, course. then I will nail that part. Yeah. Pretty close. Where there's a lot of musicians I know that can't do that. A lot know? of musicians. Yeah. And it's, it's weird, like, I don't know if it's... Oh, uh, boy. You were saying? I don't know if it's, um, <laughs> like, I don't know if it's, uh, uh, for some people, like, a natural talent that they just have, like, like a built-in rhythm. Yeah, kind of? built-in yeah. rhythm and a built-in groove or whatever. Whereas <laughs> some people, like, they really have to focus on it to nail it. And I think... This sounds like an awful thing for me to say. Oh, I love it. We're getting deep here now. It is. Let's I start think, shitting. Yeah, it's because we've been here for so long. It's <laughs> yeah. like, fuck this. Yeah. We're not even recording. We're not even recording. We're just chatting. Fuck, it took him forever to get yeah. to the shit talk part. I think it's the opposite way around. I think, how the fuck can't you count to four regularly? Yeah. You know, that's the thing that I think. Yeah. It's not mm-hmm. that I think like, oh, you know, like obviously practicing makes you better, but I've definitely recorded musicians in a, like repeated times that haven't improved. And I think to myself, it's like, 
This isn't fucking hard. Just count, count it out, feel it out, lock into the thing that you're listening to. Mm-hmm. Well, and that just like to me, less of those happen. So I feel like it's the other way around. Like I feel like we're naturally predisposed to rhythm, and you're just a fucking idiot if you can't. Well, well, not so an idiot. You know what I mean. Well, you're kind of an idiot. But there's also so many people that <laughs> that record. Like for example, record at home. Yeah. So they p- just play it, and then they're like, "Oh, I'll just move it around." So they don't actually learn how to play it in time. They make it in time after they've played it. Yeah. Yeah, but ideally, like especially if it's complicated shit, it's not even about being able to play it well in time. Um, as much as like if you if you have the brain to write that riff, you should at least take the time to learn how to play it. Absolutely. Properly. Oh. Yeah. It's um, like you're my dream. And the thing, oh. the thing is, oh, like, there's no. There's certain people out there that. Why are you taking your shirt off? There. <laughs> um, there's certain people out there that think like, oh, I've practiced it at this one, this one way, and that's the only way I know how to play it. Mm-hmm. And it's like. To be a good musician, it's like you should oh, be able yeah. to play it loud. You should be able to play it soft. You yeah. Be able to play it fast. You should be able to play it slow. It, yeah. And if you can do all of those, you'll be fine. But if you're only like fast and loud, then I think you know, I think you're those cutting people, yourself off. I think those people get in their heads too. Oh, I've had sure. like I've had this happens with drummers more than anything else. I've had <laughs> drummers who like I'll change a kick pattern on the fly like while we're recording drums um, in usually in pre pro or this was before I would when I would do drums first like. No, you gotta do it like this, and it would just fucking break their brain. Yeah. And it would take. What do you like, mean? <laughs> like it's not a hard kick pattern either. It's like moving one kick, like you know, a sixteenth earlier or something like that. Just because, oh well, I just realized the guitars are doing this, so the vocals doing sure. this. Let's and it's it. not like you're supposed to get it the first time you play of it course. afterwards. Yeah. Because I mean, when we were recording with Kenny, uh, there, there, there's a whole part where he was like, "No, no, no, I need you to play it like this," and I'd be like, "Okay." Hold on. <laughs> yeah. I have to like. Yeah, you figure it I out. I have to reprogram my we brain. We need to a put the bit. new floppy disk in. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, um, you boot it up. But then, you know. but then afterwards, I'm like, oh yeah, okay, this totally makes way more sense. Or yeah, like this way, way out of context. But I got thinking about this the other day where we were talking about how you shift parts in songs and everything. Mm-hmm. We used to have a blast beat part in the last record that Kenny changed. That in my head now, whenever I hear the song, I still hear the blast beat part, <laughs> and it's the one thing I can, like can't let go. Well, of. That's that's the part I'm like. I oh I that's what reminded me. Oh yeah, because <laughs> I, it's not that I thought the blast beat part was better than what we did. It's exactly the same. Yeah, but in my head, it's just the thing I always hear. Right yeah, now, like, oh, bring it back. You know, like, guys, yeah, and like, yeah, I, I can see that from a from a band perspective, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't listen to demos for that reason. It's like, oh, I don't like, like get the, the five four part. Oh that, yeah, you know where he was like, no no no, you need to. Because I was playing this 5-4 beat where the pulse was on, like, a certain beat. And he was like, no, 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 you need to move it over here. Or your, or your kick, instead of being this, like, your kick was free. Like... Yeah, instead of being this way, he, like, simplified it. But simplifying it was me going, like, oh, man, you just made it harder. You know, like... <laughs> yeah, you get used to it. <laughs> so... But, like, I've got some, I've, I've done some drummers, like, who will spend, like, an hour learning that one little change. I get you yeah. need to learn it and you need to take your time with it. But that's but... also, like, uh... I would say musician maturity. Yeah, musicianship yeah. is like if you're a good musician. Like, granted, it's not like okay, you're playing four on the floor. Right now, I need you to go out and play this fucking crazy yeah, thing. Yeah, like, right Physically, now. Yeah. can't do that. Uh, um, this is your first time using a double kick. But matter. like, if you're if it's if it's a like a minor change or or whatever, like a good musician should be able to adapt to that. Yes. Relatively quickly. Yeah. And then I think we're starting to get into expectations of how good people are at oh, sure. instruments, yeah. right? I think the problem is, expectations about people being good is, I'm 28 years old, I'm not the greatest drummer I know, I, I know my strengths, like I can play like to a click really well, I can't do fills that are crazy to save my life, but like, you know, 
what I think is like, yeah, I'm recording people who are younger than me now, but you're like 21, 22, you've been playing your instrument for a while. Like these are, these are common things you should be able to just grasp onto. Yeah. And it, a lot of it comes from the fact that like everybody just wants to be in a band. So their buddy, it, they hand their buddy a bass guitar, which is the worst instrument to hand your buddy, by the way. Well, that's why I didn't play it. Exactly. <laughs> give him a fucking tambourine. Give, give him anything else. Um, and, and it comes down to like, man, I'm 28. We're here for two weeks and I'm, I don't want to do this for two weeks. I don't want... You don't want to babysit. I don't yeah. want to babysit you. Yeah, like no amount of money will make me babysit you. It, yeah. I, at the end of the day, I just don't want to do that. Yeah. So it's it's funny because like I, I do this I do this full time and I do this whatever and I've got my like ratio of, you know, like the paycheck versus the like passion. Um, and I'm getting to the point where like the paycheck that, like isn't worth it for me anymore. It's not worth the like struggle. You know, like it's not worth the well, you're, time. You're hitting to do. your basic line of like you need to be above here. Yeah. Before it's worth it. Exactly. For you. you need to be this tall to record to ride, here, which yeah. is my problem. <laughs> yeah. Everywhere uh, he's I not go. recording here then. Yeah, you're not, you're not recording. Fuck <laughs> me. Um, um, I'll, wear, I'll wear stilts. It's fine. <laughs> Platform shoes. But you can like, barely walk. Yeah, that's like, a good point. On dry land. <laughs> you know? I, I I have a busted up back right now. I can barely walk <laughs> at at all. <laughs> it just I don't know. Like I want to. I think a big thing is like. I, I still do a class of work and I'm happy to work with young musicians because, well, you know, sometimes they surprise me. It's really exciting. But there's the times where they don't and I think that, you know, you're putting this money in. Don't agree to that amount of money unless you know what to do. But mm -hmm. more often than not, it it's not the case. Like, if somebody has the money, they'll come and record and I'm, you know, redoing their parts. Like, I'm telling them, like, this is how you do this and playing it for them. Mm -hmm. You know, like... I have no problem to do that if that's if you come in and you're like you know what i don't play an instrument i sing a little bit here's a song let's make a song cool i know from the get-go walking in like i'm gonna record everything on this it's my job but you come in and you're the guitarist of the band and you wrote the fucking song like to a degree you should be doing your own part mm -hmm. you know if you're doing the lead guy's part because the lead guy you just wrote this lead for him or he just wrote this lead but you're the stronger player sure whatever but if if you're doing every single lead because your lead guitarist is basically like your Useless best bud and yeah. he's and he's just you know like no, I don't want to do that anymore with my life. We're, I mean, we're definitely getting to that point where I'm just fucking. <laughs> you're just getting Sam unhinged. I love it. Um, oh, the no, first I, hour of this is getting cut. We're like, getting. I was gonna way. say, yeah, to start with the good <laughs> shit. To to sum up, like kind of this, it, like for me, just in life, like a mantra that I've always kind of used is like, in order to be successful, you have to have a willingness to learn. Yeah. And a willingness to accept change. Yeah. And if you don't have either of those you're not going anywhere yeah so it's like that's how i kind of you know there's people that are stuck in a rut and then you know <laughs> John he just doesn't it. he just doesn't he, I, I i have a hard time with computers is, and that sort of thing <laughs> and music, music past 2003 no, no. I, i'm the same yeah, way so well i don't have a hard time with computers but i have a hard time with music past 2003 <laughs> but it's like if, if sure. you ever yeah. stop wanting to learn you're not going to go anywhere that's it yeah and if you're not willing to adapt to how stuff is changing you're not going to go anywhere and yeah what's what's funny i i do you ever see that documentary that that guy did that got like pulled down really quick because he didn't interview enough girls or whatever the clearly give, not give because it got pulled down too fast give so. a shit oh i remember hearing about yeah. the like the ontario music documentary or yeah. Something. yeah yeah and yeah. like he got so much shit because like oh there wasn't enough diversity in it now i think the kid was just so excited to make a documentary he wasn't really thinking about that that's fair um but i said well, something basically yeah. identical to that in it and i remember he messaged me he's like 
I loved that thing you said because I never looked at it like that. It's like if you don't if you don't move with the times, if you don't make a conscious effort to go somewhere else, you're just never going to achieve progress anything or, yeah. else or progress. And it like to a degree that's how I see this and it's funny you mentioned that because like I would take bands, I think especially cuz I share a space, like I'm not in here as often Seven as Seven days a week. Yeah. yeah. Um I I've sort of put learning on the back burner a little bit and I hate myself for it. Like I was signed up to courses that were like, you know, like get to see a cool multi-track every month and watch that guy mix it and the things mm -hmm. they do. And I realized I'm like just wasting money doing this. I'm not using them cuz I'm constantly working. But the things I'm, that's the things that are taking my time away from that are things I don't even want to be doing half the time. So it's it's almost like it was almost like a light bulb moment like I want to do less work that's paycheck not just for not just to, to be happier in the passion part, but to continue my learning in what I'm yeah, doing. Because like there's a different type of payment. Yeah. Which is knowledge. Yeah, know? exactly. Sure, it's not monetary, but it's and that, you know, yeah, and it's that doesn't matter. Yeah, and... it's it's more valuable, if anything, because I'll take the thing I've learned and apply it and realize that I can now do something that a professional like I mean, I think I'm a professional, but like that a very big professional is doing and it's something that maybe I've struggled with for so long and it was so easy and I didn't take the second to sit down and, and see somebody else do it. You know, I've just been trying to like whittle away at, my, yeah. at it myself. But I think that's a relative term for it or a relative thought process for everything. Because we're talking about like kids that can't play their instruments. Like it makes sense. But what blows my mind is when you have an older band where that's still the case. Yeah. You know, and you're like, oh, you've been touring all over the place and you still can't fucking play this right. Yeah. That's one thing. But you also are running into a, and this might just be me being an old fogey, um, a static amount of bands that have a perception on how being a musician is supposed to be. Yeah. And the idea that we're discussing here, I feel like is gone. You know what I mean? It, it, like yeah. the amount of people that I talk to that don't fucking read books anymore. Yeah. Or like all of these things that are outside of even just what we're well, talking about here. That's like what I was saying. I play yeah. video games because my video game time yeah. is it, my reading yeah, time. You're doing yeah, something but more, it's, it's all what, the relative productive. part of that. And yeah. like I was saying when I got here, like I don't really listen to music anymore. Yeah. Like my time of doing that is walking home from work or yeah. at work. I listen to fucking country music because that's awesome. But like <laughs> I, I have to remind myself that I have like a ton of records that I can listen to at any yeah. point in time that when I'm just cooking dinner or doing whatever else mundane thing is, I could remember what it's like to enjoy shit. Yeah. Uh, but also that the things that you care about require work. And that's the thing that I feel as we've just discussed is really lost in music in general because of the way that the business side and the, um, not the, I can't think of the word I want to use, but like the marketing side of what makes a band look like a band yeah. has become, it's very image based. It's very, all it of is, these yeah. things, the, the talent involved in creating a record or creating music or just playing an instrument well is not a thing anymore. It's so, kind of been thrown to the wayside. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's like, just being a, like taking myself out of this situation. I think that's, what's impressive when you finally have someone like yourself or like Brett that we recorded with, who can make that happen with people that aren't necessarily talented. Mm -hmm. um, that shows the talent that you have in that. But at the same time, like you can get stuck in that rut as you're acknowledging and being able to continuously move from that is the key. Yeah. You know, like I, it's like, it's kind of a facetious thing in the sense where I say like, I don't listen to new music, but it's part of that in my head is that I don't feel like I've digested everything I can from it. Right. You know, I love Converge. 
But if I'm going to listen to Converge, it's probably Jane Doe. It's yeah, not it's, something that's just come out. Yeah. Because Jane Doe is such a masterpiece to me that I haven't gotten anything out of it, everything out of it. Or like Monine, I will listen till the day that I die. Yeah. Because I love those records, but there's also things in those, those songs that I haven't taken for, for its full worth. Right, yeah. You know, and th- I think that that's, like, that's kind of where I sit in things and maybe is what potentially holds me back in some ways because I have a different viewpoint than what everybody else is doing. Yeah, well, it's... You know? It's one of those things, too, like, you, you, you get attached to something when you hear it, and like you said, like, I don't listen to anything past 2003. It's like, I'm the same. Like, my favorite record is, like, 2001, like, Stay What You Are by Saves the Day, you know? Great record. Yeah. yeah. And it's also, and, and like, you know, uh, Are We Really Happy? And all those records. That is the record. It is the, literally the record. The record. T-H-E. Um, all those records also came out before I recorded, so I, A no different matter, appreciation. Yeah, 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 no matter what, I don't pull them apart. Because they actually existed before I started pulling records apart. Mm-hmm. Um, but you like you don't even find like when you go back and listen to them again, to li- like you kind of have that like uh, no, you know? well, a little bit, but no because um, I haven't stopped listening to them. <laughs> you oh, know yeah. what I mean? Like it's not like it was like oh, ten years later I would go back. I I did a re-record for a band, and we were listening back to their like super old record that I listened to before making records, and thought was like great sounding. And then we were re-recording these songs and making them like updated Better versions, whatever, yeah. and realized how fucking terrible that record sounded because I was pulling it apart piece by piece. Right. And not that the record said I said I shouldn't have said fucking terrible, like, but how, for the generation of what it is, yeah, 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 like I would have never noticed unless I had to, and I appreciate that. And it's funny, like, like I you went to the Monine shows, right? This one actually, which uh, is shocking. Weird. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I I was supposed to go to two, and I ended up only going to one as well. Mm-hmm. I only went to one. Because I was so satisfied at the end of the one that I didn't bother going the second night. But it... That's good. Yes. Yeah. And I, you know, I'd listened to that record for so long uh, when I was way younger. And when I saw them play it from front to back, it legitimately sounded like I was listening to the record. And I was blown away. Because I realized that that record isn't a band being produced it's a band playing their songs in a good way mm-hmm. yeah they're complicated songs there's crazy shit happening they're doing it all it's left and right guitar for almost that entire record except for a few overdubs every harmony is just the thing that's fucking happening yeah every single thing on that record was reproduced to a t live and i was so blown away that i put the record back on and still didn't want to dissect it after i was just like i'm still enjoying this you're satisfied with how it yeah. is 100 yeah. percent. i think it, i think like it's their best record. I think, you know, like I'll, I'll listen. I listen. That's a record where I was saying, you know, I haven't stopped listening. I actually did stop listening to that record for a while and did put it back on and realize, like, okay, the snare kind of sounds like shit on this record. <laughs> How but, like, dare you say that? <laughs> the snare sounds like shit. Oh my no. God. Um, Interview's but, done. But Get like, the fuck out. <laughs> we're done. Um, Get out of your own studio. But, like, <laughs> uh, see you guys later. Well, this is going to segue into my next question. Um, Let him finish. I know. Exactly. But, but, exactly, yeah. but, like, it doesn't matter. It. I don't care. That record could be mono, fucking a one microphone in a room. It's what I heard when I heard it, how I heard it. That to me, even though that snare sounds like shit, Dan, I will never make you. a record that sounds that good. Maybe I already have, but like to me, I will never make a record that sounds that good. Right. No matter how bad it sounds, I will never make it's a record. It's because it's magic, that good. and I, 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 it's not because I'm a Modine fan. 
Because there's other bands that have these records. Yeah, like, yeah, totally. That Misery Signals record that everybody goes crazy over. Oh, Controller. Yeah. Oh, man. There's there's something in there where it's like the perfect mix of everything. Townsend just like nailed yeah. that one. Yeah, there's, there's records that are always going to be like, I mean, uh, In Utero by Nirvana to me is one of those records too. Oh, yeah. got a little. Oh. No, no, no. I know that Nirvana is a different thing. We'll oh. talk about that later. <laughs> well, like I mean, from a band that did like a produced record. Yeah. With oh yeah. To, to go that yeah, far the to other go direction. that far the other yeah. way, and people don't think that that first record super produced, but that first record is very. That's a pop record. Absolutely, it's hard, hard to listen to. Oh, sorry. Uh, never mind. So never mind. Like second yeah, record. Yeah. It's hard to listen to though. It's, like it, it being me being me. Like for example, when you say you dissect things, yeah, it drives me fucking crazy that there's not left and right guitar on that entire record. On on uh, never mind. Like at some points there's one guitar. And yeah. At some points it that drives me fucking crazy. But I know that's a part of the era right. of that. They wouldn't do. It's the same as listening to Van Halen. As yeah. Dumb, right. dumb as it yeah. sounds, there's very little doubled guitar. Everything's yeah. just over here. Yeah. Drives me bananas. Or it's like a weird stereo. That well, I think it's also because like that's how it would arguably sound live. Absolutely. You know? that, and, and that's, that's where that's that perspective they want to be easily yeah. replicated. Where it's like if you're listening to a band on record, your expectation is you're gonna hear that live. Yeah, and that's just how they. Yeah. Um, okay, I have two questions for you. Mm. One, would you ever like studio space not withstanding? Withstanding, would you ever do a live off the floor record? Yes, and I've wanted to for so long. Um, do you want to do it right now? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Turn we on have one mic. Let's do this. I will play bass. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> um, no. My my second question is, um, if there was uh, this might be kind of hard or putting you on the spot. Um, if there was a record out there that you, that's already been done, that you wish you got to produce or engineer, what would it be? More like recent or more Whatever like... Any, any record. Hmm. If you say that's Queen, why, you that's why I'm, like, I'm sorry to put you on the spot. Yeah, probably but... Queen's Bohemian. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're just saying that because of the movie. I don't know. Um, I'll sort of two-part answer it a little and bit. I'm, like, and I'm not saying in a way that you're like, oh, I would change all this. But it's just like, you right. wish that you were like, I wish I could have been a part of right. this process. I, I would have loved to have been a part of, like, a moaning record. I think a, I think of, like, or uh, actually, uh, or Boys Night Out is also okay. one of my favorite bands, too. Like, I would have loved to be a part of, like, one of those records. Um, but at the same time, like, I don't think in my current, in the way I do records that I could maybe do those things justice the way they need to be done. Um, In more of a, in more of a newer approach, I really love, like, I wish, I'm not going to name any bands, but like, I wish I could have just been like a guy in the back, like, Like why don't you, yeah, but not even just like, why don't you just do this? Like, there's a record I've been listening to lately that has no harmonies on it, but it's, like, super produced and everything. It's got, like, octaves in it and stuff, but no actual harmonies. I'm, every time I'm singing the record, I'm singing, like, a low harmony, <laughs> like a part, or, like, a high harmony. Like, why the fuck isn't that there? Like, I think one song is, like, one harmony. So on it's it. clearly not a Muse record. No. <laughs> Where there's, no, like, no, no, no. six-part harmonies. and Just, like, dude, it's, 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 it's borderline too much. <laughs> that, that happens a little more often than not, where I'm listening to a record just kind of wishing for a little bit more mm-hmm. in something else, in a newer record, especially if I'm really enjoying the band and I'm trying so hard not to dissect it. Mm-hmm. When I'm through trying so hard, the first thing I go to is, like, harmonies or drum sounds. It's like, I just wish I was there for... I don't know if I could have made a better drum sound, but I wish I was there for that. To give or, your two cents. Yeah, you know, like... Um, but no, when it, when it comes to sort of, like... I I wish I could have I wish I could be involved in like a 
uh, like a Jimmy World Record or something mm. in, in some way. Just Style, to, especially the way they're going now, that yeah. so makes sense. Yeah. Like even if you being involved in Futures, the way I listened to that versus yep. the recordings. That was again, actually the... That would make sense. As soon as you said, as soon as you said Jimmy World, that was the first yeah. record yeah, I thought Futures of, yeah. is my favorite Jimmy record, and to me it's the first record where it sounded like the perfect mix of them being like produced and... Still a rock band. Still a rock, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Like, like everything on that record sounds perfect. Yeah. Is it a drum? Is it like a snare drum I would use on a record? No way. But no, no, no. <laughs> but it is a sick sounding snare drum. Sure. It is like the for, snare for, for that band for that, that band album? for that record. I listen to those drums and I'm in awe that they sound the way they sound in a record like that in a good way. Like you know, like or like. Have um, you ever heard the demo? They're, they have demos that are online yeah. for futures. The drum one ones or the other ones? I I think it's I don't I, to be honest with you I don't remember. There's just, uh, fuck. What's the song called? Uh. So we tonight. got nothing. Uh, nothing wrong. Okay. The drum fill? No, no, no. Yeah, okay. But there's <laughs> there's a demo in it where Jim screams for part of it. Oh, really? And it, I will send it to you. It's the fucking funniest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> because I kind of, like, he's got a good scream, but yeah. it's Jimmy Eat World. Do you right. know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm just like, the fuck? Well, yeah. And I remember when, I think it was Scott Heasel that used to be, like, the editor at uh, Alt Press, posted it, and I, we, we, me and him used to talk pretty regularly. And I remember sending him a message being like, this is a joke, right? Like, someone just edited this in here. He's like, no, no, that no, almost that was, happened. That was the demo, yeah. I was like, Well, that was like when we were listening to those Far demos. Oh, yeah. Do you, do you know Far? No. Okay. Check them out. <laughs> yeah. All right. Check them out Far. Anyways, yeah, they had, like, you were showing me the demos of... Uh, Mother Mary and... Mother Mary and, like, Barry, Barry White. White. And I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, Cole's Notes of Far, they were uh, the twin band to Deftones, really. They don't okay. sound the same, but they kind of grew up at the same time, they, both right. from Sacramento. Both kind of got signed at the same time, used to tour together a lot. Jonah Matranga, the singer, when Far broke up before they got huge, and then he went on and did a bunch of other stuff, One Line Drawing, New End Originals. He was in a band called Gratitude, who used to tour to Meat World. Oh, cool. First like, time I saw Meat World, Gratitude opened. Gratitude, oh, nice. Gratitude is like super pop. You would love them. Cool. Um, Lots of tambourine. Like, it, so much. So much tambourine. Big choruses, too. It's really He knows how to write a song really, really well. Um, and it's always done like a bunch of solo stuff and different things. And the, their Far's big record was called Water and Solutions. And it was the 25th anniversary for it last year. And so Jonah Matranga put together this, all these demos, all the things that they could find. So I being an idiot, well, I'm not an idiot. I'm just, I love Far. So I ordered the vinyl and right. all this crazy stuff, but it came with a hard drive with every demo. Oh, nice. So everything that they had done for Water and Solutions for the record that came before it as well. Uh, a bunch of like b-sides from their like reunion record that they had done maybe like seven years ago or whatever and it shows how many different versions of some of the songs they did there's parts in there that i'm like that should have stayed so yeah. so good but then there's other parts where like this it's song called garbage. white where he doesn't start singing till the chorus hits but in the on the actual record version he sings right like the, the band all mm. comes in and he sings right away yeah you know, and like, we're just like and listening to the demo i'n like yeah, like this. Thank God the producer didn't stop. Right. Yeah. You know what I yeah, mean? Well, maybe, like, yeah. yeah, he might not have just like had the verses written yet. Or no, no, no. Or... It's a finished song. Oh, yeah. It's it just, just put together. It's like the words are different. There's a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. And you just like, it to me, it's like the epitome of what a producer does. Right. Because you listen to that, then you listen to the finished product, and you're like, that's much better. Yeah, of course. You know? So. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I would be terrified if like any demos of mine ever got out. I used to, <laughs> like, I loved listening to, I love listening to demos. Like, it's funny because the, the, Futures had a version of the CD that came with 
demos. There was like mm-hmm. a second copy that but was. But it sings like three or four songs or something. No, it? it was the whole record. It was the whole record. There, wow. there was just older demos too. There was like Trombino ones as well that yeah. were never released. They just leaked or something. That might be the ones that I'm. I talking think about, so. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like, I like if I like if anybody heard a demo of any band I recorded, I would just be terrified because like yeah. you put so much into this that mm-hmm. like for it to be like sullied by like a bad version of yeah, the song. Yeah, and you're like, you, know? you want people to hear the finished product, not the like halfway. Yeah, thing. exactly. Which is funny because when I, I think, and I think that's why I always think I was like destined to do this was just like, I always wanted to hear demo versions of shit. It's like, oh, how did that come to life? Like, mm-hmm. but nobody sees it like that. They would just hear the demo and be like, what the fuck is this garbage? <laughs> you want to ask uh, the final question? I've got two actually. Okay. There's one more I want to check and then there's the final question. Ideal end goal for this. Do you have somewhere that you take this above? Is it always recording bands or do you want to get into something else outside of that? You know, whether it's movie production sound or different things like that. Is there an end goal or are you just kind of... Do you want to get a bigger studio? Oh, yeah, I definitely want a bigger studio. Well, that's a logical Uh, step. I mean, something that's outside of that frame. No, no, like career end goal is producing... You want to win a Grammy. (laughs) No, no. I mean, Juno. (laughs) It would be sick, but... No, I think ideal end goal is to make records every day that I'm like happy with passionate about yeah like just even if the record kills me even if I had such a hard time in that record as long as the hard time is caused by passion that's that's my end goal like I make a living doing this right now I'd, I'd ideally like to maybe make a little bit more you know if I, I want like kids and like I'd love to stay in the city which is like next to fucking impossible yeah. but oh, like you just said two things that contradict each other I know yeah well, I know. <laughs> don't, don't tell my wife um <laughs> Uh, so end goal, like I'm not far from it, but to me, I'm plateaued right now. Like, but in a good way, in a good way. Like I make, I make a living, but I'm not, I'm not doing the, I'm not doing the work I really, really want to be doing consistently. Yeah. Consistently. I am doing it. I'm just not doing it consistently. The end goal is just consistently doing projects that at the end of the project, I'm, I'm just happy with. I'm very like proud of everything we've created. The band is proud. Everybody's just like happy about it happy about it yeah that's respectable yeah i think that's that's my end goal like i i could stay in this studio forever and do that end goal i would absolutely love a bigger studio but at the end of the day we can do drums anywhere we want i don't give a shit i can still do every single other thing including drums here so Mm -hmm. but yeah end goal is is that yeah yeah but other than that there's no bigger aspirations for more i'd love to i don't know i'd love to songwrite more like i'd love to like do more records out of the country and things like that but those are part of the end goal absolutely to me end goal doesn't mean staying right in this room or right in toronto doing it it means i'll one of the things i want to do is i want to go to australia for like three months because you get a visa really easily to go to australia and short-term visa yeah like a one (laughs) and just like and just do like three months (laughs) shout out commonwealth shout out queen um and just do (laughs) that was the most like the worst shout out I think we've done. It, not not in quality, but in the way you did it. You're like shout out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Shout out to John. Shout out. <laughs> I'd love to. Uh, I'd love to do like yeah, like a residency of recording, like three months. Move to move to Australia for three months and do work out of a studio there. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Do that for three months. Go to LA for a couple records a year. So kind of like, like what that. tattoo artists and barbers do. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> and I think I think being because to me. I'm not like, I'm not locked into the studio. Like, yeah, it's, it's our studio and everything, but I don't you have the freedom to go. Anywhere. Yeah. That's the cool thing. Like if you end up getting a name for yourself, people will want to work with you. Exactly. Your like space. a Matt Bayless yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. Where it's like a band from New York will want to fly you in 
exactly because of who you are not because of like what i mean it's great that like there's certain studios out there where you're like okay i want to record with this person at their studio exactly but there's also people where it's like i just want to work with this person because of what they can contribute yeah and me as a producer i want to go work at that studio you know like i see a crazy studio it's like i wanted to go work at union you know like it does it's so to me yeah i think that i think the end goal is that like i'm getting consistent work that I'm super passionate about based on who I am, regardless of whether it's here, regardless of whether it's in my apartment or whatever, whether it's yeah. in your garage, you yeah. know, like I, I'd like to think that you could take me anywhere and I'll make the same quality record no matter where it's going to look. I, I hope so. <laughs> Final question. I feel like this is going to be the most obvious cause you've kind of already answered it, but since you've been so focused, is there anything else you would have done in life if it hadn't been this? I don't know. You seem um, very linear focused, so it's a hard thing to say. Like when you were eleven years old, was there something yeah. else you were interested in? I was. I wanted to be a teacher for a really long time, um, because like when you're young, like a good teacher makes you feel so good. Mm-hmm. You know, like you when you have a good experience with teachers, like I want. I want to give that to other people, but I do feel like a little bit fulfilled in that respect doing this. I think because of how long, not because of how long I've been a musician, but because of how long I've been recording, like literally since i was 14 years old half your life yeah that yeah literally i i couldn't imagine anything else like i i don't i don't know what else hashtag uh, no regrets yeah oh absolutely that's or good that, though that's good hashtag regrets but i mean that's no good though, because like that means it's like you're doing what you want and you're not like oh what if i did this yeah you know you're always mm-hmm. yeah i there's things i would have changed to get to here a little bit for sure and i'm sure that's anybody Anybody, but absolutely i i don't think i don't think i'd be good at anything else i think that's the honest truth at the end of the day i think that's where we all sit you know or stand or whatever we're playing music because we don't want yeah we have jobs yeah we're not when i it's funny you say that because whenever i bring up the fact that i wanted to be a teacher uh like my my thing is i saw monine play you're too much of a dick to be a teacher that's exactly it (laughs) that exact thing they're like you want to be in front of because one i'm not very good with kids until they get about seven before (laughs) then like i just don't know how to interact with them yeah but two like i'm sarcastic i don't exactly have a filter on things and that doesn't work with children it doesn't work in almost any exactly work environment it doesn't even work in this sometimes because people hate me because like what do you think of my set and i'm like well you could play better yeah you know and then oh you're really guys i hate being asked what what you think of the set especially if it's i almost brought it up of like how i'm just gonna say it how often do you avoid going to see bands so that you don't hate them when you have to work with them a lot. Okay, cool. You might have to cut that. <laughs> <laughs> and and now we're done. So that was our interview with Sam. We did it. We got all the way through. Yeah, it's a long one. It is a long one, but it's a good one. Yeah. All of our ones are long. Most, yeah. yeah. I mean, so far, I think the shortest one has been an hour and a half. I think it's a little bit longer than that, but it's close, yeah. I also don't think podcasts are worth it if they're not at least an hour and a half. No. To me, it's not worth my time to invest in it, really. I mean, we've done five now. Please let us know if these are too long. Or too short. Or just right. Everybody I've talked to has been like, two hours, really? Well, you know. (laughs) But then they still listen to it. If you're driving, you know, on the 401, you listen to two of them and you're... Listen, if you're at work, think about it this way. This took out one quarter of your day just listening to us talk. Yeah, although my past two shifts, well, 
a good 10 hours. I'm saying approximate. Like, most the people work in the 9 to 5, right? Yeah, that's fair. That'll cut out half their afternoon. You know, yeah. what else are you doing anyway? You're just looking at Amazon. I was actually on Amazon today. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, this, this episode is not brought to you by Amazon. I would also, however, like to point out while I was in New York, I went to this store, record store called Limited to One. If you're ever in New York, he's not giving me money, maybe he should. Um, this record store is amazing. I spent way too much money there. Do yourself a favor and go. When we're in New York again soon, I'm going back immediately. Where so, is it? In Brooklyn? Or is it in... I don't remember exactly. It's in Manhattan. Okay. And it's... What's the address? <laughs> I'm just See, I'm not good up. with New York like that, though. So, it's close. I think it's the... Is it on an avenue Lower East Side, I think. Okay. I think it's Lower East Side. But yeah, just Google it. Limited to One. The place is awesome. They had so much stuff. They it's even had Actor Observer's record there. Limited to one location. It is. It's true. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so uh, thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, we did take a week off just because we couldn't get our shit together in time to get this episode done. Yeah, maybe we'll um, do a podcast about our vacations. Yeah, or something else. You know, maybe know. we'll interview my dog who is currently humping her bed. Yep. Yep. All anyway, right. thanks very much, everybody, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.